0: Welcome to the MinMax Show, a good place to forget bad things. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marquiafava. Hey! Suriel Vasquez. Hello! And former Game Informer intern, Jill Grote. Welcome! Hi! Thanks for coming on. Uh, it's a weird episode for you to come on because uh, if you're watching this in a very particular way, uh, this is technically the first live episode of the MinMax Show. We're streaming this one live just because there are some reveals on Thursday that we wanted to include in the show uh, so if it's a little bit funky, that's why. But it's not going to be a big recurring thing. But Jill, thank you for joining us. Um, you were a Game Informer intern in what era? It's always fun to try and timestamp these things.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I was fall of 2018.
0: Ah. And what was going on in the fall of 2018? Tell us about the fall life in the Game Informer office and the back. gaming office.
1: Um, so fall of 2018 was really ramping up for Red Dead 2 okay uh which i know is one of jeff's favorite games yeah sting
0: out of the gate you're welcome here anytime you want jill
1: Uh 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 um so yeah there was a lot of that i think the switch online had sort of just popped up as its service okay uh so getting getting all of that set up so there was a lot of fun things happening i followed uh i think at the very end i got to do the game awards so I got to watch that and I got to follow along with you guys and do the really quick get your story up uh, good fun time. <laughs>
0: the good fun times. And hopefully those decent training for uh, freelance, which is what you're doing now, right?
1: Yeah, I am. I just finished my sort of first year of freelancing, which if anybody has questions about freelancing or how to get started, I'm, you can hit me up. Uh, Where do they hit it's you up? Definitely. Yeah. I mean... Free is really the uh, the main word in there because you have a lot of freedom as a freelancer. You can do uh, sort of whatever you want. It's great to set your own schedule. It's great to work on the things you're really interested in. Uh, but it is a lot. um, It's a lot of work and it's a lot on you as a person. Uh, you have to get up. You have to chase those stories uh, versus me being at... Game Informer where someone would come and say, okay, here, here are the things that uh, are happening and we need to cover that. So, I mean, that's great on one hand because you get to cover the things that you're really interested in. I'm, I've i sort of focused on indies. I'm really big into that scene, even when I was at Game Informer. Yeah. I, I sort of snuck some of those in there. We <laughs> were um, outraged. <laughs> um, so, so you get to focus on the things that you want to and you don't have to focus on things that... Someone's like, here, talk about this. I'm like, I don't really know anything about this. But, you know, I'll pretend I do. Um,
0: That's got to be nice. You don't have people annoying you and and pitching you video essay ideas like I was doing to Jeff um just yesterday about possible Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy VII Remake video essays. Got some Mm -hmm. good ones. (laughs) Maybe. But, Joe, you said people can reach out to you to ask about this. Where is the best place to reach out to you to talk about freelancing and entering that world?
1: Yeah. Check me out on Twitter. I'm at at Finroon um so you can look me up there and we'll have it in the description too anything. for everybody.
0: Yeah, sweet. Well, uh, hey, uh thank you for being here. We have a lot to cover in this episode of the Max show. Uh the reason we're doing this Thursday live is that so we can cover the Inside Xbox stream uh that happened on Thursday morning where they revealed gameplay for the next generation. Technically, there's some interesting stuff to unpack there. And then I kind of wanted to you know, I love E3. I love having an exciting summer i love knowing when big game reveals are happening so i can get excited for it and having like a good go-to tentpole to look at that's the point of poles, right um but with e3 not happening this year everything's getting diffused so i wanted to give an e3 replacements roadmap. Everything we know about where to look throughout the summer for the most exciting game news. That includes Keeley's new thing, uh, first party, you know, publisher announcements, live streams, stuff like that. So we'll go through all that. Then there's a couple games that surreal has been playing that he wanted to cover. Yes, Surreal? Yep. Great to hear. Uh, and then we have some wonderful, wonderful community questions in the back half of the show. But I want to point out it is uh, a new month and the world is changing. The world is evolving. But it is a new month here at MinMax. Uh, therefore, we have uh, new pictures up on the wall of heroes. If you're a $100 supporter, you can put any picture you want up there. And uh, if you're currently up there and you want to change your photo, reach out to me on Patreon and you can put whatever you want up there. So let's have some fun and do something fun. Uh, also, I uh, want to point out that the deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII Remake, we did it, Jeff, when we covered the entire game.
2: We absolutely did.
0: Uh, you can find it on MidMax's YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com slash Show. Uh, it sounds insane, but I mean it when I say it, that it is 13 hours and 45 minutes worth of conversation. But I genuinely think it's very fun and very, very good. I feel like I can uh, hang my hat on the official idea that this is the best, most thorough discussion about Final Fantasy VII Remake on the internet. So please. Absolutely good uh but the weird thing too is that we're not done because we're gonna have a bonus episode coming up next week where we're going to be talking about the original game we're gonna be talking about the remake through the lens of the full original game so spoilers for the original game in that one but it is wild to think about the fact that we've talked about the game for almost 14 hours and haven't spoiled anything from the original game like it is mind-boggling to me that we've danced around that because there's so many fun ideas to talk about
2: yeah, so I'm done, uh, but you are not yet.
0: Yep, we got one more round, and if you want to participate in that, you can support us uh, on Patreon at any tier, and then you can leave a comment, and we'll read it on air, and if you support us at the $5 tier, then you get the podcast version of those Game Club discussions. But let's get to this Inside Xbox thing. Uh, Serial, we live-streamed our reactions, but I haven't heard yours yet. What did you think about that thing?
3: Uh, I was pretty underwhelmed by it. Uh, I think there's some there's some stuff that I'm interested in. I saw uh, chorus, I think, or choruses. I think it's chorus. Yeah. Actually, is what the website says. It chorus. Okay, yeah. with a U. Well, they spelled the they spelled their game wrong then. Um, but I thought that that even from that CG trailer, I thought that looked cool.
0: Okay, well let's get into it. That was uh, Deep Silver and Fish Labs, who's done a lot of port work apparently. Um, but what excited you about Chorus?
3: Uh, I realize that there aren't a lot of games that, if it, if it is primarily a game where you are in a, like, some sort of starfighter or something, and you're, you know, zipping around through space and destroying starships, there aren't a lot of games like that. There are sections in a lot of games that that do that, but I I think a, a ship, like, something that isn't, you know, uh, what are those game the VR game, um where it's like really simmy. Oh, the E Valkyrie stuff or Yeah, yeah, so, so stuff like that. Uh, something between that and like, you know, something that's more arcadey. I think I could I could go for. Yeah. Um, it, it showed up that bright memory game which I played a demo of a little while ago yeah this is one we um, talked
0: about on the podcast that was the one that is uh supposedly developed by one person which i refuse to believe because the game looks very very Hansen, good
2: henson didn't believe anything about what he saw i
0: didn't <laughs> no it looked absurd and they kept saying oh it's it's technically xbox one x but like or sorry xbox series x because there's no way it's gonna look like what they showed and that combined with oh, one person made this like I don't know what they're selling, but I ain't buying it. Uh,
3: I mean, I played the demo, and it looks better than that. Uh, Like, it definitely looks a little bit more uh, finesse. But, like, that, that the demo that I played is, like, this weird thing where it's, like, he made this self-contained thing, and he said, hey, when when the full game comes out, you'll get that game, but this is kind of something else, which is weird, uh, because there's definitely a lot more in that, even in that trailer, than there was in the full game. Um, Like, the grappling hook is a lot more involved. And it's uh, it's a I'm weird note
0: for Microsoft to lead with this. This is all about just third-party games, so don't expect Halo Infinite gameplay or anything during this instead mm-hmm. Xbox thing. But to lead with that was an odd choice when they have, you know, stuff like Dirt 5 and stuff that they eventually showed uh, not too long after that. But I guess just for showing off tech, it maybe was the most impressive thing that they showed. I mean, Valhalla, you don't really get to see too much. But, you know, and so... The idea of showing off like, oh, crazy wind effects and weather and it's a shooter. So it's a good point of comparison. Um, it reminds me of like the early demos of Gears 4. where It's like, look at this. Look at all the wind. Isn't that crazy next gen? Hey, Xbox mm-hmm. One, look at this thing. Um, it feels like it's kind of hearkening back to that just to try and have some way to demonstrate the power of the Xbox Series X.
3: Yeah, I, I think I, I feel like I have a very different direction than you to that because it, um, I I came away thinking like, I don't know that I... Necessarily need an Xbox Series X because this. Yeah. Uh, when it, even like the best stuff that I saw there, uh, I was like, oh, uh, that's going to be very exciting to play on my PC, which is like pretty powerful still. And uh you know, we'll see. We'll see what the differences are. You know, obviously, I- I'm guessing the Series X will outclass my PC when it comes out. But uh I definitely didn't feel like, oh, I need to go get this right now because of like the low times. And um, that
0: is, yes, that's th- totally the takeaway from this. Where. I was excited going in. And then I was surprised by the amount of new IP, the amount of games that they showed here. It's like, oh, I actually saw a lot of new gameplay that seems interesting and games to, to look forward to on the horizon. So it's starting to get that E3 excitement as they're rolling through all these games. But then you just gotta zoom out and realize, like, wait a minute, there's like smart delivery logo on all these. So not only is it the normal Xbox thing now of like, well, it'll be on PC, and I prefer playing on PC, so I'll play it there. But now it's also that weird thing of like, oh, it'll be on other systems, and it'll also be on Xbox One. It'll just be a slightly enhanced optimized version for xbox series x so it's a good indicator of where microsoft is at as a company just for how diffused that excitement is at this point of well but there's this but there's this but there's this it's not just buy this console and play this game here you know Uh, Well, i
1: think um the smart delivery thing for me i really picked up on because they really honed that in and i was interested in that messaging And it made me think about the new console launch, and I know that they said that there wasn't going to be any delay and we don't need to worry, but do we need to worry about the amount of Series X's that are going to be on the market? Are they saying, hold on to your Xbox Mm. One X's, uh, so when eventually the console comes to market and everyone can get one, you can push over, you don't have to worry about it? Do we... That's an interesting that
0: that's... idea. I don't know. I mean, it seems like they're key on messaging the smart delivery regardless of COVID and potentially any delays. You know, they did say uh, there is a message here uh, in their Xbox 2020 post uh, saying that they're still aiming to launch. Yeah. Our goal remains to launch Xbox Series X and Halo Infinite this holiday. Right. So I that. really
1: picked up on that. Goal remains. Right. So that's not the most definitive, confident wording absolutely yeah. but,
0: but you uh you were talking jill about just the overall tone of these <laughs> games that they yes. showed what stood out as the unifying theme for the first look at series x gameplay here
1: oh man there was so much of that where i was just like this is creepy this <laughs> is creepy
0: <laughs> it was weird right it was back yeah. to back so many games were like jesus christ what are you doing what are you showing that's that that's not what your family Christmas
2: is like, Anthony.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, what stood out to you as the creepiest thing they showed?
2: Uh, probably. Well, the H.R. Geiger inspired alien sex game. I don't. Uh, I don't
0: know what it- yeah, yeah. It's basically just a, a hardcore dating sim, but all through the lens of H.R. Geiger. Yeah. So that was called Scorn, which is an like old Kickstarter project, apparently from Ebb Software. But it really is just like, look at this statue from aliens schlong that should have been the name of the mm. that game actually
2: yeah and then and then fluid pours out of it. And <laughs> yeah. it, there, it it was really like is this is this clear enough what we're doing here it's not okay let me pull this lever and stuff's gonna start shooting out of it
3: but uh, <laughs> but also like on, on the other hand like i have zero clue as to what that game actually yeah. is
0: well don't you know what it's like to f a statue cereal
3: not
2: yet around
0: <laughs> <laughs> pigmalion Ooh, talk about a smart uh, delivery.
2: Yeah, but then then the the vampire one as well.
0: So Vampire the Masquerade, with, two bloodlines.
2: Yeah, yeah, with just like a murdered family set up around a Christmas tree with all their skin pulled back from their eyeballs and it
0: it disgusted it, me on a couple levels. Obviously, just seeing people filleted around a Christmas tree, but then also the idea that that trailer was, I mean, it'd be a stretch if it wasn't. But so inspired by the Joker from last year of having all these evil people do evil things and they're all dancing. And it's like, oh, it's fun to have Donkey Shane in there, I guess. And it's cool to see glimpses of the gameplay around Seattle. and I'm very curious about that game just for that fan base that's so rabid about it. But at the same time, it's like, I'm trying to get excited about Next Gen and I'm, yeah, call me a wimp, call me a soy boy, come at me, internet. Same time, I don't want to see some effed up stuff. I don't want to see families flayed or. I'm coming to kiss your ass. No, um... <laughs> I I wanted to get excited about next gen not be horrified uh by what somebody's mm-hmm. eyeballs look like when they're split open.
2: And and it is it is a weird tone for what you would I mean who do they want this audience to be who's tuning in for these kind of streams to learn about a new system? I certainly would hope that it isn't a family with their children watching that.
0: And maybe you know and maybe we're seeing patterns through the chaos. Maybe it's just, hey, what third-party developers can optimize and we can show it? Uh, And it's like, okay, just so happens it's a lot of dark stuff, let's go ahead and get it up there anyway. Or maybe it's Microsoft trying to lean into, like, we're the system for adults. You can keep your knack.
3: Look, Xbox Series X has three X's in the name. You know what you're getting into.
2: (laughs) That's true.
3: But it's also weird, I think uh, think the reaction to this has been pretty tepid to negative. And I think a lot of it has to do with the word gameplay. Because uh, they said, hey, we're gonna unveiling the, the first new gameplay and they, they front loaded with like a, a Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay. You're going to see it for the first time. Yeah. And uh, I think they were better off saying in-engine because yeah. you don't actually see any UI. You don't actually see the character moving across the screen being controlled by someone. It's all like, hey, here's an in-engine cutscene versus the CGI trailer, which at this point is because like that line is becoming blurrier and blurrier so i think most right. people are like oh this is just another cutscene
0: it so, was but at the same time if they would have billed it as see valhalla in engine footage i don't think they would have gotten 120 of sure, the attention
3: but then but right. then don't bill it as gameplay either because like you right. it feels misleading to say hey, this is going to be gameplay yeah Jill, you're big
2: also, like some,
1: oh. um go ahead oh no, sorry uh, it also contradicts sort of the, the momentum they had going in because they had all this goodwill. They had ev- everybody sort of talking about what they're doing and that you've got everybody talking about how Microsoft's making the right moves, doing the things for the gamers. They're trying to message that. Um, and then you have this sort of bait and switch. Uh, we're going to show gameplay and then you just, like it's not really gameplay.
0: Well, that's true. I still think Microsoft is kicking sony's ass in terms of messaging at this point just for having this stream just for getting eyeballs out there getting excitement about the next generation even if it is a a blurry line between this gen and next gen and even just messaging that simple thing which they did at the start of having Aaron greenberg and other microsoft folks saying hey first party stuff is coming we're going to be talking about halo infinite and a bunch of other stuff from first parties in july please look forward to it compared to sony's radio silence
2: yeah turns out if you say anything then you're ahead in the game at this point right yeah, but... and, and Sony's just not—they're just not playing that game yet. I—I I don't know if it's just confidence on their part, or if they—if right. they just aren't prepared to show stuff yet, or or maybe you know they don't know what. Maybe they're less confident with what the state of getting these new consoles out in time for a holiday season is, and they're not—they're not willing to say, "Yeah, that's our goal. We're still hoping for it." Now, let, now let us get you hyped on something that may or may not be there.
0: Right. And there are reports that, you know, they might have a limited launch of like, oh, we're going to be launching 6 million consoles or whatever number just to try and constrain it a little bit. So if you're really hardcore, you can get one, but it's not exactly going to be uh, mm-hmm. full shell, full shells yeah. everywhere.
2: And and I, th- I think that is one spot where, you know, Microsoft is in a good position because all of their games are going to be coming out on PC anyway. And like, Jill was saying they can they can kind of soften that even even if that messaging of the smart delivery was not specifically geared towards COVID I'm sure it's it's working as a relief for them yeah. to know that like well even if we even if we can't get these consoles into people's hands they can still be buying these games when they're coming out and they'll they'll still be looking forward to the system when they finally can get it it's not it's not an all-or-nothing proposition for them at this
0: yeah. point. Yeah, and in that right,
2: mushiness... You,
3: you can be excited for Valhalla without thinking like, oh, maybe I won't be able to get a console at launch, so I'm screwed.
0: Yeah, and yeah. in that mushiness, they uh, towards the end showed Yakuza 7, Yakuza Like a Dragon is what it's called here in the West, uh, which I'm still very excited about just to have the RPG take on on Yakuza overall, especially after finishing Final Fantasy VII Remake. And you see like in this Yakuza 7 trailer, they have basically a nail bat that he's pulling like it's Excalibur from the stone. Like it just looks like the perfect silly tone. Uh, but then they announced that it's going to be coming within the quote launch slate of Xbox series X. So it is that murky thing again of, are they yeah. hedging their bet too? Cause they don't want to delay the game. If the Xbox series X is going to be delayed. And so strapping yourself to the complexities of trying to produce a console in 2020 is not the best idea for releasing a game.
3: Yeah. To go, to go back to Sony a, a little bit, I think that there's a couple things there that complicate um, kind of their messaging. The first is that they still have two major games that they need to promote. So I think getting out a little too heavy on the PS5 stuff might, like, obfuscate their messaging of, like, hey, you should go out and buy PS4 and get Ghost of Tsushima and The yeah. Last of Us. And the other thing is that I think, to some degree, Sony is pretty confident since they're, like, you know, the the market leader, like, in terms of those two consoles. Um and they can they can have Microsoft stoke the fire for next gen for them, and set expectations of like, hey, so my, uh, yeah, Microsoft uh, unveiled their thing. Uh, we have a more focused thing that's going to be building on Microsoft's momentum of getting everyone excited for next gen. And then here's our drop. And then now we 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 can deliver some. They can look at what Xbox is showing and say, well, I maybe we can top that, and or you know, not or whatever, and set their expectations more accordingly and react. So there's there are a couple benefits to holding off a little bit but for now in in the moment it's definitely like kind of frustrating that we don't even know what the console looks like or any of the specs or or we do we do know specs but um yeah yeah we we don't have an idea of what sony's plan for this console is
0: yet yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely uh in terms of other games that they showed or announced here madden 21 had a weird glitchy presentation not glitchy as in the game but like the presentational style seems to be Mm -hmm like watchdogs or something, but whatever. Uh, So they showed Madden 21 and said, hey, it's part of EA smart delivery here. or EA's on board for smart delivery. But then at the same time, uh, apparently in the fine print, it's guessed that the smart delivery thing for Madden 21 is like a limited time offer. Like if you buy it in Mm -hmm. 2020, then that works. But otherwise, they're going to cut it. So it's already starting to step on publishers not being fully on board with smart delivery like a city project red which fully embraced the idea they're like yeah you buy an xbox one and you'll get an xbox series x for free um but uh let's see call of the sea was a game from raw fury looked a little bit like the witness or a little bit in that walking sim uh category is yeah. one of the rare kind of lighthearted looks at a game here um another one i was, was
1: actually really interested in that one that yeah? was one of my tops of this particular show because I saw raw fury and i was like stable they're gonna show stable but oh no, yeah they didn't um and you know i always like to see the transatlantic uh come back that old timey sort of accent got to get that back i want everybody talking that way now it'd be nice mm-hmm.
0: it'd be very nice uh they also showed uh a game called the medium from bloober which bloober is cranking this stuff out they're the developer of like layers of fear observer which i remember in friend of the show jv who was a huge fan of yeah also, i also liked it a lot too oh great uh, also, uh, Blair Witch, which came out last year, which you know I, I played the opening of and was not overwhelmed <laughs> by. But uh, it is a very Silent Hill-inspired game, and they also have the composer of Silent Hill making this game yeah. called The Medium. And it seems cool, but again, uh, dark and effed up.
3: Yeah, I also do not have a good idea of what that game is going to actually be, because at this point, a CG trailer and, and what the actual game is. You know, like, what's, what is what is it like Silent Hill in that you are walking through a foggy town and you just happen to, um, you know, encounter a bunch of enemies? They, they did mention, I think, later on in the presentation that you do have some sort of abilities because you are a medium. Um, so how that'll factor into what they've done before, which is kind of very simple. Like, you're kind of just walking around, taking in the environment, and getting spooked is kind of like their their motif so far. So I'm yeah. curious to see how they build on that. Particular time.
0: Maybe your abilities as a medium is like getting your own TV show, like Jonathan Edwards. Mm. That'd be pretty cool. Nice. I love Jonathan Edwards. We have an interview show coming up soon with Min Max. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, if you're listening, feel free to reach out. Uh, let's get that interview rolling. Telepathically. <laughs> Wait, he's coming through right now. Uh, another thing that was very exciting was Bandai Namco uh, revealed a game called Scarlet Nexus, which looks a little bit like Astral Chain. I don't know if you thought of the same thing, Surreal.
3: I I mean, it looks like Astral Chain. It looks like Code Vein. It looks like however many cel-shaded anime games out there. I don't know. But you say that
0: like, but you're also fighting enemies which are like flower pots with legs roaming the seas. Like the art is wild and all over the place. But it looks like that kind of freaky invasion of... Bizarre designs entering the real world, uh, and it turns out that yeah. there's some lead developers from the Tail series working on that. Uh, as it also looks movie. like the Tail series. You're right. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm going to keep my eye on that for sure. That
3: might have yeah, been. Yeah, it, it, it looks. I I, I saw that that one has, was actually a game that I, I kind of do feel like I don't. I know what that game is going to be. It's going to be maybe uh, a mix of like Dark Souls and Devil May Cry a little bit with the combat system um, and some of the some of that exploration going on. So. I, I am excited for it. It's just like you see the first few shots and you're like, oh, this is cool. And then you see the like the, the guy's outfit and you're like, oh, the cell the shooting actually is kind of cool. And then you see like generic stock anime head. And I'm just like, oh, OK, this uh, this like it pivots from like, here's my expectations. And then now, OK, anime game. Cool. Right, right.
0: They uh, also showed a new game from this is confusing uh, Avalanche, which is the Just Cause team, but they. Expanded and then renamed portions of their studios, so it's technically from the Avalanche Studios group. Um, but it seems like it's kind of in the vein of their Generation Zero from what was that two years ago, maybe. But it's a game called Second Extinction: colon, Reclaim Earth, where you're fighting dinos. That's right. I'm. Pumped. That's all you
2: needed, honestly. And, yeah. And mm-hmm. it, yeah. And it seemed co-op oriented. Yeah. It, it seemed it, they mentioned you know get your squad together. And go fight dinos or, you know, whatever their tagline is going to be. but Something like that, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I want from a big open world avalanche game.
0: Yeah. I, I know, you know, maybe people weren't crazy about fighting uh, the robots in Generation Zero, but uh, I'm on board for having that team take another swing at it. Uh, mm-hmm. Jill, as a big Assassin's Creed fan, what would you think about what they did show for Valhalla?
1: I'm super excited for this game. Oh, This good. is set up to be... Yeah, this is this might be one of my favorite Assassin's Creeds. We'll see. We'll see.
0: What? Uh, what has your uh, expectations so high? I'm sorry. Why are your expectations so high?
1: Um, I, I love this sort of turn of Assassin's Creed. I know it's not like maybe they shouldn't call it Assassin's Creed anymore, but it, they're gonna keep that wording. Um, mm-hmm. but I love these sort of more RPG elements. Um, I love that they're sort of Melding into Animal Crossing, Uh, you're gonna have your own settlement, you're gonna have your own uh, ability to build things up. And they've played with this a little bit before with like Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood. Um, But if they have this real uh, reason to be doing it and to be recruiting people, um, I'm just really excited for this game. And I'm a huge history nerd, so I like that's a big part of it.
0: what do you think about uh the the evil British king? What's his name again?
1: Alfred the Great. Alfred the Great He's not He in history is uh he's well remembered. He's educated, he's not particularly warmongering, uh, in history, so I'm interested that they're going in that direction. I wonder if like Assassin's Creed never really deviates from history that much. They have a tendency to drop you in into Situations where it's like oh, I'm on the back of paul or is that right the really how that thing. Happened? but um, uh, they usually don't deviate, so I'm interested to see what that means for the end of this game if things don't you know Avor doesn't conquer all, and
0: well, yeah, that's the thing, so it's like okay, uh, Alfred the Great's known for not ending the Vikings culture but really getting a good stab uh into the the strength of the Viking culture overall, so. Knowing that framework, then does it mean that it's going to be a somber ending where it's going to be basically a, a confusing version of Braveheart, uh, where the Vikings right. are making their last stand and then don't make it, right?
1: Right. It should be Or they sort of like hang on and people like, like there's no definitive ending that I can see here with like a big bang.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, unless you rope in. You know the precursor civilization and maybe that would allow for some right. funky avenue. The yes oh very smart <laughs> uh but they're definitely hinting at that even in not so much the gameplay trailer but in the other one uh the cinematic trailer of having what looks like odin leaning against a tree and he's like odin's with us and then turns into oven odin's raven and the fact that it is right. the origins team the natural thing is like oh Is this going to be like, is the raven going to be your little scouting bird this
1: time around? That's yeah. there's I'm pretty sure that that's what that is. Yeah, that makes sense because Odin and his ravens and having that bird uh, is since Origins been the thing that you can like look around and tag your enemies and see what's going on. Uh, So I'm pretty sure that's going to be.
0: What do you think about Odin looking like an assassin? Is that just a bit much or is there precedent in Assassin's Creed for the gods dressing up as an assassin? Or is that the first time that somebody from that precursor race is like, now nah, I'm an assassin?
1: Right. I didn't really get that vibe. Okay. I thought, I looked at it and I was immediately like, oh, it's Odin. Because that's what Odin sort of looks like in... Real life. Uh, Yes. Nice guy, hanging out with him on Tuesday. <laughs> um, but oh man watching those uh reaction trailers as like a history person is so hard <laughs> oh because everyone's you so confused like yeah everyone's like who's that when is this time period um wait I mean, are
0: you talking about so kyle's exact quote from our reaction kyle's video?
1: exact quote <laughs> i was like i love you kyle i really do but i want to wring your neck right now <laughs>
0: um, I... <laughs> yeah it was weird he started um, sucking on his thumb and he said i know no nothing which was, I thought, a weird reaction yeah. to put on YouTube, but I guess it's cool. Right.
1: And so for Kyle, just for Kyle, uh, this is set after um, Odyssey, but before Assassin's Creed, the original.
0: Right. Right.
1: In the time, chron- uh, chronologically.
0: Okay. Yes. That's, it's such a weird thing to try and place at this point. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I saw that detail on their official site about building up the settlement. I was like, yes. Uh, that got me more excited than maybe anything other than the setting because I like Scandinavia overall. But then mm-hmm. I was a little bit disheartened by them kind of being a little bit tepid about how much time you're going to spend in Norway. It seems like, yeah, you know, your settlement will be in Norway. You'll build it up. But the main loop of the game is going to be going over to England, raiding, well, I, gathering resources and a, coming a, back.
1: I had a different feeling about that. Did they say that your settlement was going to be in uh, the old country? Oh, I was no, I guess they didn't. they would... Because part of the Vikings' uh, story at this point is that they come to England and they kind of want to conquer, not just raid. So they start getting settlements in England. So I think your settlement might be in England.
0: Oh, okay. I just connected those dots because they said that you'll be spending not that much time in Norway. But technically it will be a place you can explore. So I thought it was kind of isolated there. But maybe just the beginning and ending or something. It's going to be a smaller area overall. Uh, I'm still super excited about it. You know, like, I'm not... Assassin's Creed always sounds better in theory than when I actually sit down to play it. You know, I I appreciate where the team is pushing it, but then every time it's like, all right, I'm going to start Odyssey, and it's like, wow, I love Greek history, and then... Okay, I don't know if I'm on board for all of these systems uh, that they pack in. Right, it just feels like a it, lot of them. It's, and that's it's the thing is that they—it's the Origins team, which like
3: I—I'm one of the crazy people who likes Origins more than Odyssey, mm. just because it feels a little bit more reined in. Whereas I think Odyssey just there's so many systems by the time you get into like 15 hours of that game that it's like, oh, I don't know which or, like which of the which of these systems is the good one and which one should I engage in, and I just kind of like stopped playing. Um, but then, uh, them saying like, Hey, this, we're going to bring it in a little bit. It's not going to be as big as Odyssey. I think was like a genuinely exciting thing for me. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, you don't see like, you're starting to see more of like that Norse kind of influence in games, you know, God of War and and Skyrim a, a while ago. But, um, uh, I think it, I, one of my favorite things about Assassin's Creed has always been that it tackles settings that other, other like franchises can't really do well. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, and I think this RPG uh, direction has been mostly good for the series. Um, and I, I, I want to play this game, and I'm glad that you know I'm not as fatigued. But I think if I had played Odyssey, or if I go back and play Odyssey before this, I'll be a little fatigued by that formula. But I'm actually kind of glad that they had that break even after Odyssey to say like, hey, we're we're gonna slow down the pace of these games because you know for a while they were pumping them out every year. Uh, so I think this is overall. I, I'm I want I'm excited. Um, I also wish that they kind of, I I want them to rein in that stuff and and kind of figure out what they're good at and find uh, like a a more consistent flow. So they're not just like, hey, the Nemesis system was popular. Let's put it in our game or like, you know, like Breath of the Wild is popular. So let's try like a, a not crazy in depth, like mode where you're kind of discovering things on your own, but then not design the world around that super well. Like, I want them to find their own flow versus, like, saying, like, oh, we're going to pull from whatever we can from other games and try to hone it into our formula.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jeffem, did you hear that there's going to be rap battles in Valhalla?
2: Rat battles or rap?
0: Rap. I'm not sure which one makes more sense. But apparently, yeah, on the official site, (laughs) they say that there is an old Viking tradition of basically uh i don't know what you'd call it but going back and forth uh and they're just calling them rap battles uh and i am so curious to see if it's like insult sword fighting uh i don't know if it's gonna be like dozens i don't know what this is going to be in the game but it's, it's- gonna be like that deck box game actually it'll actually load up that if you have it <laughs> madverse city that's perfect yeah uh well i'm with you Joe. i'm looking forward to uh, assassin's Creed valhalla and there's a chance that like you know, outside of Cyberpunk, it's going to be, you know, the big game that everybody's playing at the launch of Next Generation here, right? I mean, there's Avengers. There's a chance that definitely Valhalla will be out at that time. Yeah, you know, I'm cozy. <laughs> Real quick,
3: though, uh, Jill, what's if people want to get caught up on the history, you know, if, mm. if the cows of the world out there, what's a good book to read to kind of get in the zone with uh,
1: Valhalla? I mean, if you want to get really intense, you've got, like, the sort of Norse sagas uh so my current copy was translated by tolkien uh which is fun so check that out really good um if you want to consume other media besides reading uh vikings is a pretty good show to watch Mm. uh it gets a little crazier as the seasons go on but to get an idea of the time period just before this
0: interesting do they dive into mythology how do they handle mythology on the show vikings
1: uh, it's pretty it's um, kind of left up to you. It's kind of ambiguous. Uh, there are certainly the characters are motivated by uh, and the culture is motivated by yeah. uh, mythology, but whether or not anyone actually steps in or not is sort of ambiguous. It's sort of up to you to decide whether or not was that a god, was that a real person? Right,
0: so, right. Um...
1: Which I think... Uh, Assassin's Creed might be gearing up for. I hope that's the way they go.
0: I think it's going to be a lot of that, yeah, or just frame things where we tell the story uh, from the past. I think they're talking about the Game Informer show, kind of framing things like that. But I do think it's going to be a lot of reading into the natural surrounding, and from your point of view, maybe it could be seen as a god and all that stuff, which I think is a fun way to approach it overall. Uh, Hey, this summer, people are promising that there are going to be a lot of game reveals. There's kind of two tracks to this in my mind. There is the first party, you know, uh, publishers uh, and console manufacturers saying, hey, we're going to be revealing stuff, which is great. And then there's kind of the vacuum left from E3 where I feel like people are trying to get in there and really plant a flag for marketing reasons, which I think is a smart play overall, but it's tough to know who to take seriously what's going to be going on here so last week uh Jeff Keeley announced a uh, Summer Game Fest uh and here's uh Jeff Keighley describes the Summer Games Fest as less of a single event and more of a quote Google calendar for industry in for industry digital showcases game trailers launches in-game events and free digital demos and he promises that uh 2K Activision Bandai Namco Bethesda Blizzard Bungie Sea Project Red Digital Extremes Electronic Arts Microsoft Sony Square Enix Private Division Riot Games Steam and Warner Brothers Interactive are involved in the summer game fest but i saw a very smart take on twitter where it just said so the summer games fest is going to be june through august isn't that just announcements about games that happen to take place during these months
2: like what is the event here uh yeah it it's it I'm interested to see how much of a direct hand he's having in these things, yeah. And if he's if he's going to be hosting, you know, kind of live stream shows or whatever, or if it's just going to be, well, Bethesda announced this thing on their Twitter, and so that's part of Summer of Gaming now.
0: (laughs) It it is weird. I feel like um, IGN's kind of doing that because IGN has the Summer of Gaming, and so when EA play or yeah, when EA got that out there and said, hey, in June we're gonna have a stream, uh, June 11th, which is exciting basically in the window of E3, like they always do, um, saying, like, hey, we're going to have this stream, we're going to be announcing new games and stuff like that. Then IGN's like, oh, that's part of IGN Summer of Gaming. It's was like, I understand <laughs> what this is. Like, they'll be having... Maybe, I made this. <laughs> I was like, they'll be having some interviews about those EA games they probably mm-hmm. have lined up. So then just trying to latch on to all this, it's just, we're lost in the chaos after Big Papa E3 went down and trying to sort out, right. what should I actually be excited right. about versus... Well,
1: um... IGN actually announced I went back and I looked they announced Summer of Gaming before E3 came out and said we're not doing anything. Oh,
0: is that right? So it was
1: Yeah, so some of uh what I thought it was is sort of maybe they knew that that was going down, maybe not, but they wanted to sort of plant their flag and say, "Hey, whatever, like if people are looking for something to be under have some sort of banner like come see us." Um so they announced really early and it's unclear What all of these are going to be, these all sort of seem like, I know Keeley has said it's sort of like a digital venue,
2: so it's
1: like the the, uh, LA Convention Center, but virtual. Like He's just a space for these things to come together and to have, I'm just going to go to one website and see everything instead of all these individual, confusing, trying to remember everything all at once.
0: Right, right. Uh, And and I'm super
1: down for it. I'm super down.
0: I just want something. Like to Keely get comes about. out. Yeah I'm ready. Keely's the grandfather of games at this point. I'm sorry, the weird uncle of games. I'm sorry, the cool, slightly older brother of games. But uh like he also was teasing on Twitter like, hey, maybe I'll bring back bonus round, uh, the old show as part of the summer of gaming. So I hope he has exciting stuff planned and then that bleeds into his coverage of Gamescom, which is probably gonna be stepping up in a in a huge way. Well, actually, no, it won't. Gamescom's not happening, right? Yeah, Uh,
3: it is in some form. Paris Games Week. Well, they said they're going to have like an online version of it.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's just say it's not happening. It's always a confusing (laughs) mess. But uh, the EA thing I think is exciting. So on June 11th, they're going to have that live stream finally give us uh, some live stream to react to here. Um, And then uh, apparently in the latest round of financial results, EA confirmed that it'll launch 14 games over the coming financial year, including, quote, multiple games for the Nintendo Switch. So some of those are going to be ports like Burnout Paradise and stuff like that. But people are trying to figure out what is EA up to. They have some mystery remaster, HD remaster, as they put it, coming before the end of the fiscal year. Yeah, Um, which
3: uh, I think uh, Jeff Grubb over at VentureBeat more more than hinted that it was going to be Mass Effect.
0: He just said in his article in a very cheeky way at the end, by the way, that HD remaster, that's Mass Effect, which... There's a part of me where it's like, you know what, EA? I know you got your big sports games. If all you give us for the rest of this year is just the remaster of Mass Effect, I think people are going to be so happy. And he also, I believe, hinted that it won't be on Switch out of the game At launch. At launch, but maybe they'd try and get that working in the future. But uh, how exciting. Uh, It's going to be so fun to have a new version of Mass Effect launching on the end of this generation.
2: Yeah, Which it's going to be does, definitely but good. But does that kind of make you feel like why wouldn't they do it for next-gen?
0: Well, I mean, aren't they? I mean, how
2: much I mean, can they With more it?
0: delivery, you can get it for Xbox One and then
2: I'm also su- get I'm it sure for you Xbox
0: can. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The, uh, it is going to be that weird thing of, I mean, how much more could they really ring out of Mass Effect 1 visually by making yeah. this remaster for next-gen versus this? I think they're going to do as much as they can. Do you all want them to retool Mass Effect 1, rebalance some things?
3: Yeah, I, mean, if I think
2: done
0: well.
3: The most thorough thing they could do is basically remake Mass Effect One with Mass Effect Three's gameplay, right? And and yeah. do that. Um, but I don't I don't know that, that that's what they're gonna do. I think they're just gonna. This feels more like it's gonna be upraising the games and, and le- making them more accessible. Which I actually was. Uh, I loaded it up on PC to see. Like oh, I, I don't know that I I need a Mass Effect remaster because it's on. I have I already have it on a platform that I can play right now. Right. Uh but I guess that original version of Mass Effect doesn't go past 720p. So it's you they even the PC version needs a remaster uh at this point. So.
0: Just imagine that YouTube video when they announce this though, and just Mass Effect showing all those scenes, playing the music, saying it'll be in four K. I mean, people are going to be losing their effing minds. Uh it's gonna be really sweet. And they should just bundle Andromeda in there. Just Hey, if you want to give it another shot, here it is. <laughs>
2: what you just
0: Andromeda is DLC for, for, this <laughs> oh my
2: God. for this collection? Or what if it's all unified and based on Andromeda's gameplay?
0: Honestly, I like Andromeda's no. gameplay. No, no,
3: I
2: don't think. I don't think
0: oh, I, I mean, I like the combat in Andromeda. Uh, exploration is uh, what killed me in that nope, game. It's but all going to is... be open world now. All right, well, I mean, if you said it, I guess it'll have to work. Normandy is just a, an open-world ship. Uh, it's got everything going yep. for it. Also, okay, it's mission-based now. You get into your little Mass
3: Effect armor, you climb into it, and you go out on missions, and there's the jetpacks.
0: Great, love it. Uh, also, it seems like they're gearing up to announce whatever uh, EA Motive has been working on, which it seemed like it leaked a while ago, where it was something in the vein of an X-Wing TIE Fighter Star Wars game uh, mm-hmm. that... I'm trying to remember what they called that. It. it was like Project Something Something, right? Uh, but so there will be some Star Wars yeah. announcements there, at least one, which uh, sounds like a cool thing. I remember it was described as like an experimental project from Jason Schreier, and everyone was trying to figure out what that meant. Uh, and it might just be a smaller, funky thing. Uh, I'm trying. To, project Maverick is the name of that thing. There we go. Uh, yeah,
3: Spider-Man. more arcade flight games. You know that that genre definitely went more towards like sim related stuff which was a little bit too deep end for me but you know it, the closer it is to afterburner climax the better
0: mm, we're all thinking it uh That's right. and so then the exciting thing is trying to figure out what the console teams are working on this year how they're going to announce these things uh VentureBeat had a report saying that nintendo delayed their june nintendo direct Beyond that, so people are expecting the full reveal of the next Smash Brothers character, the arms fighter, all that stuff there, uh, and probably also the big Mario reveals, right, or everything they have planned, the new Paper Mario game, which I'm salivating over. Uh, but who knows when that's going to be coming, thanks to COVID, it's all up in the air. Yeah, uh, they, they had
3: their financial call, I think, either later late today or early today or late yesterday or early today, yeah. where they mentioned that they yeah, they're kind of slowing their role in terms of the year. They're expecting way less switches to be sold uh this year because of the production issues and You know, besides Animal Crossing doing ridiculously well, it sold, like, 11 million copies. Oh, my God. uh, In 11 days, uh, which is ridiculous. Jesus Christ. But they, they, I think they still have, like, um, they updated, you know, like, their release calendar. And they listed, like, Bayonetta 3, uh, what was the other, uh, Metroid Prime 4, and uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 as, like, still TBA. Hmm. Uh, so they and they had I think like Xenoblade Chronicles to say yeah that game's still coming out on May twenty ninth so and that was like most of their calendar for the year uh, so it definitely kind of sent the message that it's like ah we're kind of like either not sure of what we're releasing this year or uh, slowing everything down because of you know coronavirus concerns that we don't expect too much from us basically is is kind of their message
0: yeah uh, and then Xbox yeah they're going to be revealing more in July. It was just a nice, like, time and place thing when they posted that Xbox 2020 blog post. Uh, they have, quote, it's a lot. And that's saying something in the year 2020, <laughs> a year which could be summed up as, quote, a lot. With all this in mind, we set up to create new, t- new touch points to celebrate gaming and share what's next with our global community. Uh, and then they say, in July, we'll dedicate time to focus on the incredible games coming from the Xbox Game Studios. A number of our studio teams are looking forward to sharing first looks at new gameplay insights from development teams being optimized for xbox series x and brand new game announcements uh i really like the line i think it's probably telling that they say insights from development teams Mm -hmm. Uh, so i wonder if it's gonna be one of those reveal streams in july where it's a lot of like let's check in on the initiative and see how they're doing and then you see in the background there's some sort of sci-fi world and then people try and piece together whether or not it's perfect dark and a lot of that jazz Uh, Um, I
1: think, too, uh, IGN came out and said that even though Xbox didn't put it in that blog, that there would be some sort of Xbox June something. Oh, really? And it would be part of their summer of gaming.
0: Oh, okay. And uh, IGN's also saying that uh, the CD Projekt Red, Cyberpunk stuff, will be involved in summer of gaming. And so because Cyberpunk has that partnership with Microsoft, I wonder if that's lumped in and it's all part of the same thing. But uh, Mm it should be an exciting summer. And it's starting to come into focus about how these things are going to trickle out. But, Serial Vasquez? Yeah. How are you? I'm good. What's been going on, man? I'm excited about Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath. Uh, so, yeah. story DLC. Ambitious story DLC. Is that the best way to frame this?
3: Yeah, so there, it's this weird combo thing um where with okay uh where they're they've announced that they're doing a basically a follow up to their story mode, which is like the first time they've really done that. Yeah. Uh, mostly a lot of that stuff is self-contained, which is cool because I think in the past they've kind of been on this 2-year cycle of like Mortal Kombat, Injustice, Mortal Kombat, Injustice, Mortal Kombat, and so they've mentioned before this game was coming out that they want to support this game for longer than that basically. Um who who knows if they're gearing up to do something different or if they're just going to you know, continue their cycle, but make them longer. So this feels like them making good on that idea of like, Aftermath is like what, what we've been working on post uh, Mortal Kombat 11 instead of Injustice 3 or whatever there else they might be doing. So it's a story expansion. It's uh, basically like a free kind of like quality of life update um, and uh, three new characters. And I'm kind of excited about mo- like basically all- everything they showed uh because like the three new characters are shiva which is like i think that game needed more like burly uh kind of grappler characters and she looks like she, you know she's basically uh lady goro which yeah. is a really cool thing that that game didn't la it didn't have uh, goro because goro was dead uh and fujin who is like a, one of those characters that anytime ed boon posts something it's he might be second to like or third to rain and Molina is like Anytime I would post anything, it's just like comments are just like put Malina in the game, put Rain in the game, put Fujin yeah, in the game. Yeah. So he's one of those characters. Uh, and then Robocop, which uh, is which- maybe like, I think might be one of the most fitting characters for that series. Because he's like, he, he is <laughs> this really, well, because mostly it's been a lot of horror stuff, you know, and, and right. a lot of villains. But I think, he, I think he might be, well, it depends on where you see uh, Terminator. If it's Terminator 1 Terminator, Terminator 2 Terminator. Uh, he's like the most heroic of those characters, even though it's kind of like, far, it, I think he fits the tone of that series better because he, he is kind of in on it. Well, like the, the movie that he's from is a lot more like, yeah, it's, it's hyper violent, but you know, like there, it, there's winks and nods there versus just like, you know, Freddy Krueger isn't like a guy who is like, he, he's a little bit more like he's less Jason, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's not the, the comical tone I think works. Uh, and he's also like you Dude, know
0: i am curious to see how fast Robocop moves, because Robocop is the man, there's no doubt, but he's also mm. pretty stiff overall, so it's gonna be weird seeing him like move yeah. at Mortal Kombat eleven speeds.
3: yeah, um, and actually i'm about I, I was actually planning to watch Robocop uh this week, so it lines up pretty, really well uh, um, but yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the <laughs> friendship, uh, which is like the the new kind of fatality. But yeah, they yeah. showed off some of those, and those are pretty cool. They're pretty funny.
0: Um, I'm a little bit hesitant. I, I love... I'm a recent uh, lover of Mortal Kombat story, and I love Mortal Kombat 11. I think the exciting thing about Mortal Kombat 11 was that ending of... You know, without spoilers, I guess, but the trailer basically shows a lot of things. Uh, but just that idea of they could go anywhere, it's a whole new beginning for Mortal Kombat. And so I was a little bit disheartened when it's like, all right, we're continuing that story, and it's about mopping up chronica's past and doing all these things. It's like, no, 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 no. Like the clean slate is what was exciting. And now it's just, uh, now we're going to kind of go back and try and fix it and inch things forward by continuing things from the past.
3: Yeah, I can, I can see. I, I think the way this will end up is kind of back there. You know, I think they'll. this feels more like it's going to be a self-contained, like, okay, here's what we have. We want to tell a, a new story in this world, but without kind of um completely nullifying what we did before. Yeah. So this feels like It'll be a thing where they they're kind of right back where they started at the end of like, oh, by the way, there was this loose end that you didn't think about. But by the end of this, we'll we'll still be in a place where it's like, oh, well, we can make, remake the world however we want. I, that's sort of where I see it. But I like that they're adding, you know, that they're letting the um the DLC characters get involved uh, in the story mode like sindel. i she was in the trailer for that story mode. Uh, and you know I you know, Shang Tsung, uh being being involved, I think, is pretty cool. But yeah, it, it definitely feels like here's a MacGuffin. We're it's just gonna be another chance for these characters to interact with each other. But I'm I'm totally cool with that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh there was a a couple things that caught my eye news wise this week. Uh Jeff, did you see this announcement slash basically very strong rumor that Randy Pitchford retweeted about who is playing Lilith in the Borderlands film?
2: Yeah. Kate, Kate Blanchett
0: right Kate Blanchett. Is that is an absurd choice that I never could have seen coming. Do you think it's going to happen? This Eli Roth Borderlands movie, is this one going to reach the finish line with Kate Blanchett in it? No. I feel like people thought it was a stretch when she was in Thor Ragnarok. So the idea of like, oh, now she's which, going
2: further. Which, you know, I mean, I guess she chose to she did choose to make that movie, so it maybe she's just interested in doing some more fun kind of crazy stuff.
0: Yeah. Just getting raunchy. But I never imagined Lilith being that old. And I wonder if they're going to try and change. Ooh. I'm just saying, Kate Blanchett, a, a goddess, the most beautiful person on Earth, at the same time, a little up there. So I don't know if that's a hint as to the setting of the Borderlands film, where it's going to be in the Borderlands timeline or how that stuff works. But the other thing that caught my eye this week is this weird story. I saw Kato post about it on com which is the idea that the golf club video game, which has been like a beloved golf sim, uh, has now been converted into PGA Tour 2K21, which sounds Mm. like, I I understand, it's a golf game, how exciting is it? But I think that's a really fascinating development, like this indie team creating the golf club and they just reach such a level that it's like, actually, you're official now.
2: Yeah. It's cool. It's like... it's like if like, let's you know, just bring you under the into the fold and now you make it for us.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like if City Skylines, you know, did as well as it did. And then EA was like, actually, you're just called SimCity now. You know, it's like it's a <laughs> cool success story, even though it's kind of selling out to the man at the same time. Uh, let's see. Uh, Serial, you've been playing a game called Treachery and Beatdown City. What is this? Yeah. Uh,
3: so it's. It's kind of cool. Uh, uh, <laughs> it is basically combining what we've been playing this year into one game, where it is uh, an RPG with an with an ATB, uh, but the structure around it is basically a beat 'em up. Mm. So what you do is there, it's like imagine like a Super Mario World esque overworld map where you're kind of going from encounter to encounter, and when you get into the encounter, it, it is the side scrolling traditional beat 'em up thing but when you're about to attack someone you can totally punch them but it's far better to go into a menu pick like uh, up to three actions that all cost like a certain amount of like um what are they i think basically action points um and do combos basically and there are status effects like this is a combo starter which you know um is easily countered but can do a uh, good damage or here's a grapple move that um isn't affected by your accuracy or this this um, this attack makes them blind, which will cause them to miss. Uh, so there's all these different effects and, and ways you can combo them, um, and there, there's that. And like you can do uppercuts, but there is still this positioning thing where if you can manage to go behind someone, you do more damage, and that's a thing you do between like your while you're. Uh, ATB is filling up is you can go behind someone, turn around and attack them while they're vulnerable. So it's, it's actually like a really cool mix of those two genres where you're thinking about, okay, I need to get away from this person. Who's going to do like a really long uh, horizontal attack and he he's not going to want to do it if he, if I'm above him. So while I'm recovering my ATB, I can vertically dodge him basically, and then come back down and, and attack him when I'm ready.
0: Nice. And it feels like kind of a more evolved version of uh, Streets of Rage Four, which you played not that long ago at all, and we're kind of like, ah, it's fun, but it's just basically a brawler. Well,
3: it, it, it like I think you shouldn't go into this thinking it's going to be like a em up. I think go sure. into go into it thinking this is an RPG that has all the trappings of a beat 'em up. Because gotcha. It's much. It's more of an RPG than it is a em up. I think. Uh, that said, I did run into a, like a, a bug that kind of really uh, halted my progress for a while, uh, where I ran into a screen and it, my character didn't load, so I wasn't able to play. But uh the developer uh Sean Alexander I think his name is oh, yeah. um he he reached out and said like hey it's a thing where you have to move the the game files into system memory instead of on an SD card uh so if if you're having that issue go ahead and do uh go ahead and do that nice um but i I've, I've been enjoying it um and, and then wh- the other out thing on? that i played was uh ghost runner
0: oh
3: which is uh sorry uh which is uh, one of those demos i think for Summer Game Fest right i think it was Announced, and uh, I think Jeff Keighley mentioned, like, "Hey, you can also play this now." Um, And it's a lot, actually, like Bright Memory, in that the the, it's like the cyberpunk world, um, but it's a little bit more Hotline Miami, where uh, you know you're kind of trying to kill all these guys, but any one shot will kill you. So you're trying to do like wall, like Titanfall esque wall runs, and you have like a dash and a grappling hook. But the idea is you're trying to do this sequence of moves really well so that you can kill this guy and then jump off and then do a wall run and then grapple over here and then kill this guy without alerting the, or um, making sure this other guy doesn't shoot you. So you're putting together these strings of moves that I think are actually really cool. Um, it feels like it it's missing some, it's missing a little bit more substance. I could use a little bit more, a few more layers on top of what they have. Yeah. But it was like a, you know, it was like a 10, minute demo. So it, obviously it, it feels like they're just getting started. But uh yeah i think it, it looks pretty promising i think
0: oh cool ghost runner and then treachery and beatdown city was the game before that and do you know the systems that treachery and beatdown city are on at this point uh, i know it's on pc and switch okay. i don't
3: i i don't know about anything else but i you know just uh check your local uh listings or oh, um i can't wait to check but yeah those. i think it, it should be available on most
0: things but nice I'm... right on uh well hey do you know how this whole thing operates jeff um
2: uh Patreon. <laughs> I love it when you give up like, for a Harry joke. This time.
0: <laughs> uh, that's right. Patreon.com slash max 2 uh By the way, since we're live streaming this, if anybody supports us, thank you for watching live. If you're watching live and you support us during the stream, uh, we'll happily give you a shout out during the show here. Uh, but if you support us at any tier, you get access to the minmax discord, which is the internet's Shangri La. Uh, it is a wonderful, welcoming community overall, and also you get access to submitting comments for the MinMax show, also the Deepest Dive, and other feedback opportunities in there. And then with the MinMax show in particular, you have the chance of winning Question of the Week, where I'm 8-Bit will ship out something very amazing. But we have several new uh, huge supporters of the MinMax show. Are you ready for this? Yeah. great. Great. Uh, Captain Stubbs won! Thank you so much for supporting us, Captain Stubbs One. Uh, he's very sweet. He says, "Hello, Minmaxers. I'm very happy to sponsor Minmax, my favorite video game voices on the internet." First, everyone, please check out my not family-friendly gaming YouTube channel called, Cam- ca- called Captain Stubbs One. Curious how not family-friendly it is. What's going on? There? It's just watching the scorn video in some effed-up basement. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to read his plug. Uh, he says, "Also, I'd like to take the opportunity to give a PSA. Please, everyone, if you need locksmith services." Go to aloa.com, the Associated Locksmiths of America, to find a reputable local locksmith as scammers are a problem in the industry. Captain Subs one is a locksmith. And he just wanted to give everyone a heads up to go to aloa.com if you need a locksmith because there's a lot of crap, crappy people out there. He says, and finally, a little bit of getting better. Uh, I've got some life guidelines I thought would be helpful to share with everybody. So he wanted to let everybody listening and viewing know that you should treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. Isn't that an interesting nugget? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Uh, is your mic working, Jeffem? Am I not? Talking? Okay, now you are. Did you have some insight to share on that?
2: No, I I just said that was a nice way of looking at it. Yeah,
0: it is. Uh, also, Michael Moran Thank you for supporting MinMax in such a huge way. Uh, He says, hello, MinMax. I've been obsessed with making lists and ranking things for as long as I can remember. My favorite part of podcasts, including the one you're listening to right now, is when hosts go around the horn reading through top five lists. So my friends and I made a podcast where we do exactly that. On List Wars, we pick a different topic to rank and debate each week and cannot legally end the show until we have agreed on a communal list. This is just something my friends and I do for fun, but I wanted to help hit a big Patreon goal for MinMax, so now you're hearing an ad about it. Episodes vary in subject, length, focus, and quality, but in true MinMax spirit, I think we're getting better at it. People in the Discord seem to really enjoy our 2019 Movies and Hosehead Settings episodes, but please roll the dice whenever topic sounds interesting to you. List Wars is available on all usual podcast providers and we try to post episodes every other week. If it sounds like we stole the like we stole half the games we play at the end of our show from Game Informer or MinMax, it's because we did. Thank you. I'm Ben Hansen and I have to read this. Thank you Michael for having some fun with that. I love that they have an episode about listing hose head settings. That is the perfect thing yeah. to argue on a silly listing podcast. That's very fun Michael. Thank you for your support. Uh also thanks to I am 8 bit. Uh A wonderful supporter of Min Max uh, for a long time now. And they say that pre-orders are up for the Ape Out soundtrack. It is the first ever live gameplay album dynamically generated jazz as conducted via game playthrough by Gabe Cazillo, uh, the creator of Ape Out. Uh, Look at the art for this Ape Out soundtrack. It is amazing to see overall. So it's hundred and 80 gram audiophile black vinyl uh, includes a full digital download of the game. The music and sounds are by Matt Bach. Uh, album art by Mark Bargiounes, and it's mastered for vinyl by Down- Townsend Mastering. So thank you, I Am Eight Bit, for supporting us. And please check out their store. If you enter the promo code MinMax, you get 10 percent off whatever you're buying there, and they have a lot of amazing things, including some things that they ship out to the MinMax community because they're very generous uh, every single week. Um, Jill. Choose a number one through four for what we're giving away this week from IM8Bit. Two. Two? Oh, interesting. This week, we're giving away a PS4 copy of Inside to whoever submitted the greatest question to the Min-Max Show podcast. If you support us any tier on Patreon, you can also uh, submit a question in the future. But look at this. This is amazing. This does not exist uh, on store shelves, but the PS4 physical version of Inside... A game that I was hesitant, but at this point, I think it's one of the greatest games ever made, honestly. Uh, so it's a cool collector's edition. Uh, so the winner of the question of the week will get that. Hey, you know what we should do? First of all, we should thank Glenn Watterson for supporting us on Patreon uh, while watching this stream. Ooh. Thank you so much, Glenn, a real thank champion. You. But because we're giving away inside the physical edition, we should see if we can call in Kyle Hilliard. Because uh, it doesn't feel right to not have Kyle uh mm. help determine who gets a physical copy since it is one of his favorite games of all time. Uh, I wonder if he'll actually pick up. Otherwise, you should text him, Serial, as we get rolling here, if that okay. works for you.
1: And uh, then we can pretend I didn't say anything bad.
0: I don't even remember what you're talking about, Jill. I'm pretty sure you didn't mm-hmm. say anything bad at all. It didn't happen. Exactly. Uh, first community question comes from Victor Pham. Victor says... How would you guys rank the current mainline Assassin's Creed games? Jill, I will... That's a lot of ranking. It's a lot of ranking. Let's just go for like the biggies, Jill. What, what would you say are top three or so Assassin's Creed games?
1: So, uh, I might be a, bit, a little controversial here because I have the two new Formula 1s. So I've got Origin and Odyssey on my top. Yeah. Because okay. I do love them so much. All right, and then that's fine. Uh, AC Brotherhood.
0: Brotherhood still. Mm-hmm. Is it time and place thing, or you think it holds up still?
1: I mean, if I was just going personally, I have never been more excited for a game probably than the original Assassin's Creed. It was one of those uh, first first time that I looked at information about a game coming out before it came out. First time I knew, huh. I was like, I was talking to people in high school, and I was just. I, you couldn't get me to shut up and everyone was like oh god she's on that again and i'm like no you don't understand in this one you're gonna you see that tree over there? there is this climate um but i think as far as i could still go back and play it yeah uh brotherhood
0: brotherhood and it's one that just adds things up and that's such a weird game for the development history too because i think it started as like okay we'll add multiplayer kind of you know, Let's get this thing out the door, just make Ubisoft some money by kind of tweaking what we have with the existing characters and animations and stuff like that. And then I think that team really hustled to have the single-player version and actually the story building things out and having the systems within that story being so fantastic. But look who we have. Look who the cat dragon yeah. is welcome heard about I,
3: an assassin's creed ranking knew he had to hop on
4: no i was i was <laughs> watching the stream and then when you guys started doing um emails i was like okay i guess i'm not needed so i like turned everything off and walked away and then i was getting a discord call on my phone so oh, wow, i'm that's here perfect. Uh, i made it
0: thank you hi, for jill. being here hi um i want to just clear the air here uh, jill you should know that before we started kyle really did message me and he said that you were his favorite intern of all time and then, Kyle, just I so heard. you know, earlier in the podcast, Jill said that you were um, just straight up dumb. What?
2: Yeah. And that she wanted to choke you. Sorry. Ew. After Real I
4: said that nice thing about you that you didn't know I said.
1: Oh, Kyle really, like, it. he really, really was fantastic during Don't, my internship. You, like, no, <laughs> no, I want to wring your neck a little bit, but...
3: Because you don't know uh, history, I think that's an either-or situation. I don't think you can <laughs> half No, he's from... one of those
1: people, though, that I could, like, go upstairs and immediately lock eyes and be like, okay, I'm going to talk with Kyle about this.
4: Well, I was that's... the first person that... Yeah, he's literally the first person you stopped.
1: Right. Was
3: Jeff Quirk's not going to make <laughs> eye contact. But he would, like...
1: You could guilt him so easily, you just have to, like, <laughs> engage him in his
3: being... He's I mean, easily manipulable. That's what I like about a... Kyle. Right, right.
1: Whereas, whereas, like, Jeff, there have been times where... Um... Like, Jeff, there were times where, like, I think there was one situation where I tried to message him and he just wasn't answering all day. And I was like, oh, my God, Jeff hates me. And then I went up and (laughs) asked him face to face. Um, And he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I must have been shocked because everybody was like, what, did you think Jeff was going to eat you or something? I don't know.
2: Yeah, I was probably just having to play some crappy game for review and wasn't at my computer the whole day. But yeah
0: but it's probably good to be scared he did when did you eat that intern was that the fall 2015 term
2: yeah okay so that i mean that was years ago that statue of limitations is up on that we can talk about that now (laughs) uh
0: donnie wrote in he says hello friends with all the amazing rpg slash open world type uh games lately like witcher 3 breath of the wild and red dead redemption 2 jeff have you played that one Anyways, uh, how mind blowing will Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six have to be for Bethesda to get some goodwill back from the community?
4: You know, i, n- I don't think it needs a lot. I think for it just needs will? to be a solid single player
2: Bethesda RPG. You know, To some extent, But i I could I could see the kind of community the long-time Bethesda community really turning on them if it still has the same kind of glitch issues and everything that all the previous games have had.
0: Also, I hate to spoil anything, but it will feel more like a Bethesda game than you think. (laughs) Like, I think it's tough to break out of that mold, especially when it's in development, as long as it has. There are going to be improvements. They'll be touting, it's kind of a reworked engine, like they do every game they've released for so long now. But, okay, so if it is just the best-looking Bethesda game, which, you know, I would hope to God it is, uh, and at the same time, like, oh, a cool new setting and kind of the classic Bethesda formula. Do you think that's enough to turn people around, by and large, and stop crapping on Bethesda for Fallout?
2: I, I think it will probably get good reviews and probably sell well, but I think they'll still get crapped on a bunch. I don't yeah. think those two things are mutually exclusive for the Bethesda community. Sure.
3: I think it'll be a situation where, yeah, that's basically what they have to do. I don't, I think that they've kind of stepped down a little bit as, like, developers who are revered as, like, one of those top-tier developers. And I think they're kind of, I think people have kind of figured out where they should set their expectations. And I think also, uh, it seems like that Wastelanders update for Fallout 76 has brought back a little bit of goodwill for them. Because it seems like, from what I've heard, it's like, oh, okay, this game is actually not, like, the worst thing that, that's ever happened anymore. So, uh, people are... <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh and elder scrolls 6 i hopefully okay what if starfield is just solid uh 875 bethesda game right and the community is like okay it's interesting i guess some faults elder scrolls 6 are they going to have that goodwill from a medium take where just returning to elder scrolls is going to make the internet lose their mind again if they don't blow it by adding insane multiplayer or something silly like that
2: well, that's a good question because I I wonder if there's more goodwill just because people love the Elder Scrolls world and lore. Yeah. More. Although So so maybe they'll just be happy to get more of that and would be a little more willing to overlook the problems that all Bethesda games have.
0: Yeah. Do you think if you're a gambling person do you think that they will use the Elder Scrolls theme, even though it was composed by Jeremy Soule and there have been some uh, very extreme allegations against Jeremy Soule uh, in the not-too-distant past? Do you think they're going to make a clean break, or is that just, we need that for that trailer, so composer, be damned?
4: I mean, the, the song's connected to the game, not the composer, you know? It's, yeah, I mean, I don't... I, so, it, to answer your question, I don't think I think they would still use it, yeah. But it wasn't too? a Skyrim theme as opposed to an Elder Scrolls theme, is that what you're thinking of? There, there's like no, a He composed Elder Scrolls theme. he composed
0: the original Elder Scrolls theme which then Skyrim had the best version of, but it's yeah. still Jeremy Souls' theme. Uh Yeah. But, but I that's mean he's probably it gonna... to Elder
4: Scrolls, it doesn't belong
2: to Jeremy Souls.
0: Okay, but and, what if he's making a decent uh chunk of change off it every every game that it's used in, you know?
2: I'm oh, yeah. sure they, they feel pretty probably prefer you not to know that, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. I
1: mean,
2: yeah. they could also have their other great composer, uh, Mick Gordon. You know,
0: they're obviously on good <laughs> relations with okay, him. Okay, so this is the Doom composer. What is this story? I saw a headline, but I didn't understand what it was.
3: Uh, it seems like they had a bit of a falling out between him and, and Bethesda. Uh, and they're, they're releasing a bit of story DLC for, or a single, I don't know if it's story, but it's single-player DLC for Doom, but they're not having him compose it. You know, it's something about the mastering. Uh, process it seems like they got into a fight about that you know whatever the scope of the project might be there it seems like there was some contention between them and so it seems like that relationship has soured and he's not going to be working with them again
1: well a big thing too that started that off was just there was a fan or something that looked at how it was mixed and said this wasn't mixed very well and then he showed up in the comments saying that's because i didn't do it uh starting off this whole
4: Hullabaloo. Kind
1: of feud in the internet going, ah, oh, how dare they not let this creative person do their creative thing. And then the story actually came out a little bit later saying, uh, you know, he might not have been meeting his timeline goals and there might have been some more drama going on. So now we're sort of in that he said, she said. Uh, oh boy! Situation.
0: So maybe Bethesda just in the future won't use music. Maybe uh they'll there just have go. like nature sounds in there.
2: <laughs> um, and Enhan- first One um, X enhanced, no music, just, <laughs> or maybe, just royalty free songs from the 1920s. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: Jeff oh. Cork's favorite song, "Turkey in the Straw," just over yeah. and over again, and a little
2: Bunch of old timey public domain music.
0: Yeah. Uh, Joe Halaska writes and he says, "Hey guys, EA and Activision are indicating there'll be." There will still be games in the back half of 2020, but the number of games is clearly being impacted by COVID. The same will likely be true of other developers and publishers this year. This being a positive podcast, after all, let's make the most of a bad situation. Assuming you guys aren't like people on some other podcasts, uh, 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 and have a backlog, this year seems to be the time to chip away at it. What games from your backlog excite you the most to finally check out? For me, uh, it's the Yakuza series. Is there anything mm. that during this period you want to check off from your backlog? I this is random,
4: but I started playing Final Fantasy 13 a few days ago.
0: That's so confusing. I mean to yeah. what are you hoping to get out of it?
4: I don't know. I 7 remake just made me think of 13 a lot, and after finishing 7 remake, I'm still in the mood to play Final Fantasy. There are yeah. several good
3: reasons for that. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Well, at, and more and more as I actually play it, it's also one of those, like, I beat I beat Final Fantasy fifteen, but before that, the Final Fantasy that I played the most and got the furthest in was thirteen. What? Like, I got more than halfway through it, and never finished it. So it's kind of this game that's been like floating around. Like, ah, I really I should have finished that, and seven remake made me want to play it. So I started. And it was also
3: on sale on Xbox. It was like uh, eight interesting. Yeah, they're they're having a lot of sales uh, for Final Fantasy games, which, which makes me think that uh, the. I mean, they they announced that Final Fantasy Nine is on game is going to be on Game Pass pretty soon, and they announced yeah. oh, that all awesome. of, basically all of them are going to be on Game Pass. Well, everything seven onwards, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I've been holding off on buying that stuff because of Game Pass, but uh, I just noticed that M is out of fully out of frame now. Uh, <laughs> Jeff but ran I ran away
0: for the audio listeners when this question came yeah, up. Yeah,
3: <laughs> he just walked away. Uh, but I—it's funny because like between that, uh, all the Final Fantasy hype, and uh, there being like this minor resurgence of tactics games, mm. I actually like found my Vita and downloaded my copy of Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, weird! Is like the ultimate coming together of of this entire year. So I'm really excited to wait, get which, into that. Which version did you download? Like
0: uh, the War of the Lions
4: game?
3: Or, no, the,
0: wait, the PSP the game, PC War game? of the Lions. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. Uh, have you started playing it then, surreal?
3: I have I'm still playing through uh gears Tactics so once I'm once oh, I'm okay. done with that I'll probably hop onto Final Fantasy Tactics.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh Kyle, if you, you know, finish Final Fantasy 7 Remake and you're in the mood for more Final Fantasy in that vein, I can think of a certain game that is very similar to the Final Fantasy 7 Remake and it's called Final Fantasy 7.
4: Yeah, it's it's turn-based, man. I mean 13 oh, is too. Oh, you baby
0: but... boy.
4: It's it's hard to go back.
0: We just played through Chrono did. trigger.
4: Don't but... you just want to choke him all the time?
0: <laughs> hey Jeff is back, everybody.
4: Wait, who's getting choked here, Hansen or me? Of course you. you. Kyle. Why you hate history? You hate turns. Final Fantasy game thirteen does not feel turn based. Well,
0: the worm has turned on you, my friend. Um, I was uh, thinking. Will this
4: make you happy, Hansen? I also started Dragon Quest eleven on Switch. Yeah, that, that does that make me happy.
0: happy? Wait, okay, that's good. a great <sighs> turn based game.
4: I, I'm trying it. I'm really trying
0: <laughs> that game. I mean, you should be listening to podcasts while like battling in that game. Obviously, stop it yeah. for the cutscenes. But I love Dragon Quest XI. I think it's super fun. But it is a long haul, man.
4: All right. Well, I, so I'm in. I say that, but I guess it was I make it.
0: <laughs> 55 hours for the credits for me in that game. But then there's a lot after the credits, which maybe I should go back to and, and play during the quarantine now. But uh, for me, I just realized like, oh crap! I'm only like a third of the way through Link's Awakening. That's absurd that I never finished that. And so I'm going to try and and hit that now that I've finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. But Jill, what have you been playing?
1: Uh, I really want to go back to Persona 5. Mm. I played through a couple of the palaces. And then I'm just like, I got really overwhelmed with how much there seemed to still be. So with Royal coming out, this is a great time to jump back in and see what's going on. Uh, I want to go back to Sekiro because... I just can't get past some of the bosses. And I'm like, nice. I've got the time now. I'm going to throw into it. Um, there are a couple of good indies that I want to jump back into. And some of the more classic ones. And uh, I saw that Launcher is doing a really good every day in Indie for Bay. So if anybody's interested in checking out some Indies that are really good, go on there. That's at um, least Favis is doing uh, what she moved on to. So People should check that
0: out. Yeah, it's Elise Favas's Washington Post. I believe is how you have to refer mm-hmm. to uh yeah. Launcher. At the She's point. the one who finally
2: made the post.
0: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh Jeff, Marky Fava, can you think of anything?
2: No, nothing. I said I would start it, man. You said you started
0: once you finished Final Fantasy 7 Remake, and you did and that. I guess probably. I'm done
2: with Final Fantasy. Yeah. Seven Remake now, so I got to start it. I guess you're starting Red Dead yeah, Redemption too. Me.
0: Are yeah. you are you starting over from the beginning, or are you
2: gonna pick up where you left um, off? I think I can. I <laughs> I don't think I I missed that much in the story, so I can I can probably start where I left off. Okay. Will you? We give had us just a- made a camp. I mean, it's not. Can it's you? Not that much. Wait, can what? I thought you were a little further than that. I mean, I I went to the swamp and stuff, but there wasn't there weren't any huge revelations that I'm missing. I don't. Think. Okay. Oh, what do you see? The swamp revelation.
0: Uh, <laughs> shut up. There are <laughs> some. Um, by the way, inside Kyle from I Am Eight Bit, isn't this cool? Yeah, what's in that box? Uh, <laughs> some horrific monster. No, uh, but
4: there's uh, there actually is like they I Am Eight Bit sent out like little like in certain versions of the game. I, maybe it's just the big collector's edition. There's there's an insert that has a symbol and every copy of the game has a different symbol, and there's a group that's trying to gather them all to figure out what it's teasing.
0: Well, the person who wins Question of the Week can figure it out. There is a cool poster for Inside. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Um, Kyle, or Jeff, um, seriously, will you promise right now, on your mother's tombstone, uh, <clears throat> that you will give a report about playing Red Dead Redemption 2 on next week's episode of the Mid-Max Show?
2: Uh, probably not next week's, because I'm going out of town all weekend, so... Yeah, because you're going so to Saint Denis. Play? That's right. Wait, so hold you on. Play today when you when we shut down the stream. I'm going right, out now. of town Just literally go. as soon as we're leaving. Ah, uh, damn it! All right, he's kicking well, us with him. Wait, Hanson, are you going to play Death Stranding? Yeah.
0: Hey, look, Phil S also wrote it. Ah. <laughs>
2: oh, <hold on. laughs> now he can change the subject.
0: Uh, I thought about going back to it, maybe with the PC launch. Um, but mm-hmm. that's coming up pretty soon, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's in July, actually. They delayed it, right? Mm. No, see, he's he's just throwing your attention off of the main question, which is whether he's actually going to play. You have a PS4 copy. The game from his favorite creator.
0: Well, you know. That is more timely than ever. I know. You're right. Maybe I should. You know what? I'm writing it down. Death Stranding. Anyways, uh, Phil S says, Hey, friends, uh, has, has, has social distancing changed the way you feel about how you appreciate local multiplayer or online multiplayer in games? I just bought Street Strange 4, and I hate that I won't be able to experience four player co op for a long time. This is a really interesting question. I do think there's something to that. Uh, I think I noticed it with like moving out of like, oh, I guess there's only local multiplayer, so I need to try and rally <laughs> some local people uh, to try and play this game with. But has it changed your approach to multiplayer like that?
2: Um, I guess it, it has made me more appreciative for games that have local multiplayer just because I am quarantined with my wife. So we have had a couple of games to play yeah. that way. But yeah, I, I can see not having online multiplayer, how it's just another hurdle to playing these kind of multiplayer games.
0: Right, right. Uh, I think it is a weird factor, you know. With stuff like moving out, when you know PR reached out about it, I did it to respond. Be like, "Is there online multiplayer?" It, it's weird how relevant that is uh, in this era. Mm-hmm. Um, Sutton writes in and says, "What's well, Jeff- hold on?" I, I had please, a please. Uh, so I think so on two fronts. I've been having
3: I have like a uh, like a Discord group of people, and it's been hard to figure out what to play. Uh, just because you you know at some point you get tired of playing Jackbox because uh, it's like the easiest multiplayer game to play. But I've been playing a lot of. Um, Uh, Urban Tide 2, which is an old game that just happens to have four players, Um, but we have, like, six or seven people in our group, so it's, like, one of those things where we're not really totally sure, so we have been having trouble figuring out, like, what's a good game for everyone to play, and, like, the player count is literally what I'm looking at in a lot of games, where we were just playing, like, this weird knockoff UNO thing online, (laughs) just because, like, it accommodated us, so, uh, bottom of the barrel stuff there, but then, um, also, for like fighting games specifically, you know, it seems like a pretty good time to get back into a fighting game, but it's been the net code for certain fighting games has affected which ones I'm playing. So I really wanted to start learning Guilty Gear again after playing the, the Strive beta. But that game's online is famously not super great unless you're playing local, like pretty close people, pretty close to you. Oh, okay. Um, so a lot of actually, like I've seen the communities for stuff like Killer Instinct and Skullgirls actually is getting they're getting a little bit more popular because they have good netcode, uh, and so it's been interesting. Like um, in the wake of Evo being canceled and then announcing an online tournament. Uh, people have been like, I I was listening to uh, Ultra Ten TV, which is like a fighting game podcast. They were actually making a pretty like, um, like aggressive call to say like, hey, you should change the lineup to Evo of Evo to games that have good netcode because otherwise it's, it's going to be a a huge mess. Yeah. Uh, and so people have been getting ex- like have been moving from like, well, I'm either playing the game that I've invested so much time in anyway because I already have those like Discord groups that can ensure that I have a good connection. Or I basically jump ship to a title that has a good netcode because I can't play with people locally.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah, the evolution there. Uh, how do you feel well, about Smash Evo Brothers?
4: Being... Is like a shoe in at this point, right? What is Smash Brothers?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine they do it without it. But like, yeah, that game's netcode is is like kind of uh, tricky for sure. And it's like actually surprising. Like, oh yeah, you totally could have put Mortal Kombat 11, which is probably one of the biggest fighting games with great netcode in there, but they just didn't do it. So at this point. Uh, the, yeah, only I think Street Fighter Five is maybe the game with the best netcode, which is mm. still not great. So you know, we'll we'll see how that uh, how that develops. But I'm I'm a, I'm bummed about you know there not being an Evo, but obviously it's hard not to it's hard to avoid. But oh, right. uh, I'm curious to see what an online event of that size looks like, especially if. You know people playing on different time zones if that's gonna be weird and the connections being as what they are you know if someone's playing someone from Japan versus someone in Europe uh, how is that gonna go uh, and who what like how how does the like overall presentation from like hey here are two commentators commentating on a game you and, um, and their connections being crazy how, like how much should they talk about well that you know he was about to do that thing that was totally cool but the rollback uh, basically negated it so I don't know I guess he lost. Yeah. Uh, So that's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to watch this year's evil unfold is where I'm at.
0: Yeah. Uh, By the way, uh, I saw the live chat. This is the upside of having uh, a live version of the Min Max show today. Is Mm -hmm. chat was losing their minds apparently while I was opening this physical copy of Inside that we're going to ship out to the uh, Question of the Week winner. Just to be clear, bit ships out a copy here And then whoever wins, they ship out a new one from the warehouse. So I'm not ruining people's copies by opening this, just to be very clear. Um, Sutton writes in and says, what's Jeffum's favorite snack?
2: Favorite snack? Snack. Uh, You know, I probably eat popcorn the most. Really? What do you put on there? It's a good go-to that's not too unhealthy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. is covered in I Make butter, a lot of popcorn. Covered in salt, huh? or you just go like as as vanilla popcorn as possible.
2: Uh, I mean, there's salt, yeah. But try not to do too much.
0: Yeah. Now I don't want to point fingers, but um, somebody that I happen to be dating made popcorn and then covered it in yeast. What it, flavor yeast?
2: Yeah. Insisting so that,
0: that it makes it better, but that was
2: horrifying. That's not good at all. It, I mean. I'm assuming it was nutritional yeast? Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like, vegans will use that as a substitute for cheese.
0: Oh. Well, vegans are smarter I than guess us, it, but. It's
2: supposed to taste kind of cheddar y,
0: it's powder ish. I guess it does something. Uh, Joshua Caleb uh, says, Hey, Ben and the Compu friends, just wanted to clarify that you can play the new Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition epilogue content right from the start of the game. You don't have to play the entire game over like mm-hmm. we said last week. So thank you, Joshua, for correcting us. Grizzled Gaming is a scorcher. He says, Hey, cohorts, I'm married, have two kids, a full-time job, and limited game-playing time. I plan on starting Thursday night, uh, the day that it comes to Xbox Game Pass, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Between myself and Jeff, who finishes Red Dead first? <laughs>
4: who is it? Great grizzled? question. Grizzled Gaming. Who? Yeah, Grizzled Gaming. I got my money on them. Oh, I yeah. would get yeah. all my money in the world.
0: Yeah. I
2: got my money on Grizzled, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Wait a second.
0: Front, uh, Dante Biasati says, hey, CLCs, first time in a long time. What gaming magazine did you grow up? with and love the most do you miss the print medium to me there's something about the 24-hour news cycle that breaks some of the anticipation and excitement that came with breaking open a new EGM, nintendo power opm or game informer hey you know you can uh, still get the print version of game informer and it's pretty sweet (laughs) like it is fun to have that show up and i hear what you're saying about like the 24-hour news cycle really bumming you out like it's so nice to have that nice compact thing like even you know it's nice for us when we're talking about like oh what is what was the launch of the last generation like and you can try and do like a google limited time search to try and get a feel for the news stories but just to be able to pick up like an old issue of game informer and see exactly like this was the talking point at that time is really interesting mm-hmm. uh, uh yeah oh sorry but i guess to their point yeah what was your favorite magazines growing up
3: uh i was a pretty big nintendo power guy for a while uh and then I, I think I for a while I was reading Nintendo Power, uh, Game Informer, and Game Pro. Uh, back when they did, I think it was like 2011. They did this relaunch uh, where John Davison took over. Yeah. And they kind of like they they we re- re- overhauled the design. They had a, like it became a little bit more of a prestigious magazine. So I, I was reading all those three. But uh, yeah, I definitely miss you know even writing for a magazine, but even reading them. Um, there is definitely. A fatigue that comes in with every take being timely and and just like the idea of the most popular thing now online is just takes like uh here's (laughs) actually this whole here's this like uh revelatory opinion on this game that is like what everyone is talking about versus i think in a magazine you have um the features that are less timely and more like hey here's like a deep dive on the history of this or like here's uh you know, something that is not necessarily like, here's what you should know this month versus like, here's a wild story that happened, you know, maybe a few years ago, but, or here's like chronolog, like chronicling how this design aspect works. I think those features still happen online, but they're always almost buried like by whatever the talk of the day is in a way that unless it's like a super huge prominent thing where it's like, hey, by the way, the, here's how the history of like Naughty Dog, you know, was, you know, um, it kind of like their labor practices aren't great unless it's something like that. Usually you don't have, um, you don't see a lot of love for uh, less timely features. And yeah. that's what I loved about writing for a magazine is that I could take my time with features and, and do stuff that wasn't like, well, I got to come up with an opinion on whatever's going on.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm with you. Uh, it is. I think that's where modern gay magazines are, are strongest is just zooming out a little bit. Cause you know, The time aspect and, like, the the tense would always kill me when I would... Because, you know, I was a video producer at Game Informer, so I rarely wrote anything for that magazine. I wasn't involved in proofing it or whatever you uh, maniacs were doing all the time uh, sitting at your desks. So I would just get the magazine at my home and then open it up on a Sunday and read it. And it'd be like, coming up, here's a preview for this game. It's like, oh, that game came out yesterday. You know, it's like having that weird disconnect always drove me insane, but growing up did anybody else have a favorite gaming magazine i mean Uh, i I definitely would like
1: you know i was a huge game informer fan that's why i became a game informer intern uh so i still like i really do like the medium i've got a couple gaming magazines that i still subscribe to and game informer still and it is that thing of uh trying to keep all of this in your head and how fast the internet goes to be able to sit down and read and say oh yeah this is the big thing that was happening." and then I remember very specifically, I guess, probably a lot of interns claim to be Game Informer fans before they come in, because yeah. Jeff Cork did not believe me. Jeff Cork sat me down, and, he was, and I was like, I'm a big fan, I've been a big fan since 11 or 12, probably, and he was like, oh yeah, what was the uh, first Game Informer that you ever had? And I was like, it was this, and it looked like this, and he, he shut down really fast, it was hilarious. He,
0: he fell on the floor. Is, oh, anime style, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, well, Jill, I know you're a Game Form fan, because I guess you should point out that the first time that I met you was at E3. I was walking yep. the show floor at E3, which, was it 2017, 2016?
1: 2017, probably. Okay,
0: but it was the rare instance of somebody stopping me or yelling out like, pants right. it!" Because I was—I remember I was looking at Skull and Bones. Remember that game? Um, I, I was, was w-
1: in line for that game for two hours <laughs> before <laughs> I came was. to. Me. So I was in front of the line. Like there were a lot of stakes here to go meet you. Yeah, I was you're in right. front of the line. I'd been in there for two hours, and I saw your face. I'm like, "There's no way that I'm going to miss the opportunity to say hi to a game informer." That's very so sweet. I almost lost my place in line ran over i'm like i'm such a big fan but i can't say anything and i'm so sorry i have to run away and i like ran back Yep. and i said
0: what was that confusing blur of a person and then it turns out that (laughs) eventually you're in your former office so it all works out so thank you for reaching out and saying hi
1: some of that too goes back to uh if we can touch back a little bit on like the summer of gaming and all of the summer programming like i really love e3 e3 was a big part of my life growing up as a gamer and just I'm very happy to see that it's being uh, transformed in some way. I hope it comes back. And I really, uh, the magic of being in a place where you can see the people that you really, yeah uh, you grew up with and that you really admire. Like there's magic in the air there that just isn't there for a digital space. So I do hope that it comes back in some way.
0: Yeah, that'd be nice for sure. Uh, Kyle,
4: did you read a lot of gaming magazines growing up? Oh, yeah. Like, obsessively. I was also a Nintendo Power Kid. Like, that's what I read when I was really young. Yeah. But I did hit a point, probably, like, late elementary, middle school, I realized they weren't writing about the other systems. <laughs> which, like, stood out to me as being like, wait a second. And then, like, I, I started, I read Game Informer pretty consistently starting around 2003. And okay. really was a fan of Game Informer. But the one, for me, was always EGM. Mm. Uh, obsessively read EGM. And I remember when, they, when I got the last issue... I remember I was trying to explain to my wife, like, why it was such a bummer. Like, it wasn't just that something was ending that I liked. It was that, like, my career goal was to try to write for them. And it's not like I was confident that I would ever be able to. It was just that the option had now disappeared entirely. Right. You know what I mean? And it was, like, hard for me to explain why that was so upsetting for me. But, yeah, EGM I really loved. And then Game Informer really gen- genuinely was one that I read a lot and really liked too. Oh, that's
0: nice. Yeah, I had the same uh feeling with EGM but a different route because somehow, I don't know how, but I never read Game magazines as a kid. I guess like none of my friends had them, and so instead I would just look at, you know, pamphlets for Lego and read uh highlights and stuff like that, you know, but I remember one time I remember seeing like a video game magazine in a store that had uh, like a demo disc attached to it. So it was probably, you know, uh, PlayStation magazine or something like that. And I remember being obsessed with it and not getting it. And then we're on a big road trip with my family. And I remember freaking out in the car. I was very young uh, about just like, please, we need to find one of those PlayStation demo discs. Cause I lived out in the boondocks. And so like the idea of a video game magazine being on a shelf it was nowhere in my hometown. Like it was not a concept. So like while we're traveling, I need to find one of these things, and I could not find one. It drove me insane. Uh, but then, the connection then is you know I was a big fan of video game websites at like Gamespot uh, growing up, and then One Up uh, blew my mind. I had the same thing too. Then when One Up went down, of just like oh man, I was hoping to work with. Now the Area 5 guys someday, you know, on the video side, now that they're gone, like, what am I going to do? There's no other options here in Minnesota. Oh, it turns out Game Informer, and then it all worked out. But, uh, Jeffem, do you read stuff? Was it just like Papyrus back then? or?
2: Uh Yeah. Okay. It was, it was Nintendo Power and then EGM, and uh, I also had Xbox Official Magazine also for the demo discs, which was just such a cool idea, and it's sad that that went away as we kind of as everything came online anyway but that that always made it even more exciting to get an issue every month because you also got a bunch of demos for games that yeah. you might want to get
0: and i don't think game informer ever did the demos uh i'm trying to remember the exact really reason it, but yeah wrong. i'll write into the game informer show and ask about it which we should mention uh you know show some love to game informer like it's we talk about it like it's past tense with gaming magazines but they're still going over there and cranking out issues they could use some support right now so go check them out and send some nice words their way
2: yeah i i got the new uh the new issue with grounded is yeah him, is the that Obsidian the name game. of it and as soon as i saw that i was like oh little people in big world jeff cork had to have written that cover story. <laughs> he did. and i was so happy when i turned to it and saw that it was him
0: it's very funny on the game Informer show he was on it to talk about grounded And he talked about how into little people in a big world he is. And then within like 30 seconds, he's like, and I just want to be clear. This is not a sex thing. It is not connected to that. I'm not into watching big ladies step on things. It is not connected. But me thinks he does protest too much.
2: That's right.
0: Uh, Nick McKernan says, hey, CLCs, has working from home changed your perspective on uh, the Patreon goal of hitting 15K to uh, have a remote office? Are there some quality of life improvements about the office environment at GI that you'd hope to rekindle at the eventual Minmax office? This is a wonderful question and something I've been thinking a lot about, uh, but it is a question better fit for MinFacts, which is our Patreon exclusive weekly uh, podcast that uh, you can find. So supports at any tier and then you can, well, actually supports at the $20 tier and you can jump in and ask questions uh, about MinFacts. I'd love to talk about that stuff in the future, but that's kind of a behind the scenes podcast. Anyways, uh, Print Crowd Print. Oh, well, weird. Uh, it says, there's a no, oh, this is a no way aimed at min-max. I enjoy every show. Thank you. But my question is, to what extent do you think video game reviews or podcast discussions are fudged by slacking reviewers? By such, I mean reviewers who haven't played the game or have played barely past the first level or introduction. Uh, I ask because being a heavy gamer, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and reviews and find myself chuckling when sometimes I could swear by the response or review, the person probably has skipped a couple things in the game. I don't think it's a widespread phenomenon. I, every once in a while, I'm a little skeptical. I think, you know, I've even caught myself doing it of, you know, somebody brings up a game and it'll be like, oh, yeah, I played that. I played that. And realistically, I played the first 20 minutes, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, right, I'll just hope to escape by. But if you ask me anything about it, I would obviously tell you that I played as much as I did. But I think there's a little bit of that of I'm going to lean on the side of seeming like a little bit more of an expert uh, than I maybe am. Right. I, I think, mean, uh, yeah. potentially.
1: I mean, maybe for discussions of this sort where you're talking about games, you maybe pretend. But I think if you're uh, reviewing a game, I know that that's, that's a beat that I try to stay away from because of how hard that is. And I know how people kill themselves to get these games done, especially mm-hmm. in the indie world that may not be uh, really prepared for this. So there are a ton of times I'm looking through, like available jobs and things uh, things that I'm connected to, and they're like, okay, here's the review for such and such, and we need it done by tomorrow. We need it done by three days from now, if you're lucky.
0: Uh, right. And those people
1: really go above and beyond to get that game done, get all of that knowledge there, and get it to people. So I really, really do not like these takes from people who say, oh, don't you think they're really not putting the work in because like they're putting serious work into these reviews and that is far and above the majority of the things that I'm seeing
2: yeah yeah yeah. I I was going to say that you know we have seen examples of people who have completely plagiarized reviews and things like that so I'm sure there are certain cases out there but I would say that for most editors like there's nothing more important than people believing in your word and taking you as an honest person and it would just not be worth it to fake a review in order to just get one extra re- review out there. Like I think most people, they finish the most people finish the games. If they're telling you that they finished the game, then they are, then they have definitely finished the game. There are some games where there isn't an ending and how much they play. You may question, but I think every reviewer, no one's going to start putting down words and, you know, a score and their name on a paper without feeling confident about the opinion that they're giving you. But, yeah. but one of the things that I do think that the, that this letter gets to sometimes is that there is a difference between reviewing a game and being a genuine enthusiast of some games, especially like the hobby games, where I'm sure there are people, you know... You review a game and you put 50 hours into it, and you're going to sound like you don't know what you're talking about to someone who has put a thousand hours of it. Mm. You know, when it's like Destiny or something like that. And so I, I, I do I can sympathize with that kind of mismatch in knowledge base. And if if you're listening to someone who said, oh, I reviewed this, and I think you know the end game could use this and that. And and if if you have already put so many more hours into it especially when you have like early access games and stuff like that yeah you probably do know more about it than they do but it doesn't mean they haven't finished it or they're not giving you you know they're they're not fudging their opinion in that way
0: I don't right right think. i
3: think there's there's also a discrepancy between like reviews which are a much more formal process of you know like people um the big outlets, especially like GameSpot, you know, they they're, they usually like to let their uh, reviewers take their time, and they'll like they didn't even have a, a like a full like Animal Crossing review until a couple of weeks after launch. Yeah. and IGN has a stated policy in their I think either in their contract or as part of one of the documents you get when you start reviewing games with them. And they said you have to finish this game. If you cannot, you have to let us know, and we will figure something out. But you have to finish this game. So they a, a lot of the larger outlets definitely have that stuff more figured out, and uh, you know I can't vouch for like. Mo- every outlet in the world, um, but there's a, so there's a difference between like the formal review process and talking about something on a show.
1: Mm, uh, yeah, I yeah. think
3: where where sometimes podcasts can get tripped up is that you're never sure of the ex- how, exactly how much time every individual member has played. Uh, so, because it's it, you know it's not a thing that you can always say like well this everyone in this discussion has played x number of hours or whatever, uh, and so usually what they'll do is they'll have one person who's played you know um, who's reviewed it and then a couple people who's like yeah I dipped a couple hours into it, um, so. It, And I think as you're hearing commentary from different people, it can be hard to remember, like, okay, well, this person has this take from X number of hours in the game. And that's a less formal process of, like, well, his opinion isn't invalid, but if that person who's only played a couple hours were the person in charge of the review, that would be a whole
0: different thing. Yes, great point. Uh, Cody Umbarger says, hope it's not too late to comment, but I was listening to The Deepest Dive on Final Fantasy VII Remake on your YouTube channel, and Ben said that he recognized the coin move a certain character was using. Uh, And he wanted to point out that the character I was thinking of was that's Aaron Black's Fatality from Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, They share that overlap. So I thought it was McCree from Overwatch, but thank you. A lot of people messaged me, but that is exactly what I was thinking of. Thank you. And just to keep these uh, very self-serving questions, Sean Mills wrote in and says, I owned and played through Survivor, the interactive game, which you brought up on last week's podcast. I wanted to confirm it is an absolutely terrible game and the developers refuse to even put their names on it. I don't remember (laughs) much of it, but I remember it had the cast from the Australia season, which includes Elizabeth Hasselbeck uh, and featured scenes from the show. The challenges were a bunch of terrible mini games. And in between, you could do work around the camp and talk to other contestants, but it didn't have any effect on how people would vote. I have really enjoyed the winners at war season. And I wish someone would make a game based off that since it has so many fan favorite cast members. Yeah. Survivor. this season has been amazing. It is like the greatest hit smash brothers, all the winners coming back. And it is a blast. And I would love to play survivor. The interactive game. If anybody knows that we can get it up and running, I would do that in a heartbeat as a mid max plays i mean it's gotta be on gog right like <laughs> well it i think it would, <laughs> i don't know if bog is a thing for bad old games <laughs> Derek, Did, uh, Mo- real quick oh, yeah uh is that
4: that sort of alan smithy kind of thing where it's like the developer doesn't even have their name on? yeah is that common i would love to see a list of like you know 10 games that the developers don't acknowledge or something right, like that right you
0: know? yeah that is fun Uh, Derek Maldonado says hey everybody if you were all members of a team in an RPG what would be your weapon of choice I assume Ben would take the typical team leader role and be the sword user but how the rest of you pick how dare you do I seem like a sword guy hell no Uh, (laughs) spears Derek spears are my weapon they always have been even just playing in the woods and stuff as a kid you go for the spear it's the coolest weapon Anybody else have thoughts on this? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's I, hands. Oh, Seros oh, the Brawler.
3: Game. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> like, the, 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 like the physical monk type is usually my favorite class in most games. So really? that would be the one that I would use. Yeah. Huh. The, the Tifa character, let's say. Hell yeah.
4: I mean, I do. I like, can, like the sword user, but I don't know if that like, is the kind of person I am personally. But when I play RPGs, I always focus on the sort of standard sword guy. You Maybe know?
0: you could be like a bard but you just confuse people by singing about uh, your lack of history knowledge. Um. Yeah.
2: You get all the stories wrong.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, and then King Alfred. Is this like a reference or something? Is this (laughs) for Assassin's Creed? Yeah, you you got to listen to the Mid-Max show, dude. Oh, all right.
4: I mean, I will. I like the Mid-Max show. It's good.
0: Jill, do you have a weapon of choice?
1: Uh, I tend to gravitate towards the sort of assassiny, thiefy type people, so maybe I'll be in the shadows in the background stabbing people.
0: Ooh, so like daggers? Yeah. Mm. You're like a rogue. Yes. I like it. I'm
1: the rogue figure here. I? Maybe not in real life, but...
0: You'll do it. Chris Logan says, hello, everybody. Here's an interesting thinker. He says, Hello, everybody. I want to run a theory about sequels by you. I believe there are only two types of sequels Aliens and Terminator 2. Not only are these arguably the best sequels ever made, but they approach the very idea of a sequel in such different ways. Terminator 2 is the original Terminator, but bigger and better. Even the plot is nearly identical, but it improves on the original in every way, giving us more of what we love. Aliens, on the other hand, has a little in common with the original, but it's practically a different genre altogether, giving us a totally different story set in the same universe with a familiar character. I think this even goes beyond movies. For example, Resident Evil 2 is a Terminator 2 type of sequel, and Resident Evil 4 is an aliens type of sequel. Which type do you prefer? Chris Logan asks. And also what do you think of his theory? I I recently watched Aliens. Yeah. And I feel like that that increase
3: of scale is maybe overblown. I think it what? is still a horror movie, but it's it is a it is slightly scaled up. Obviously, there's like a group of marines and they have guns or whatever. But I, th- I still think that you are dreading what is going to happen to these characters versus it being like commando, where the guy is just going to shoot everybody in his way. You
2: but, didn't even watch the whole movie, did you, sirius? I absolutely <laughs> watched it. This conversation, it <laughs> no without finishing it. You know nothing totally of aliens. I did finish it. And it, the thing
3: at the airlock at the end is the same as, as the first one. You know, they get they all
0: those people are terrified for their lives. Is all I'm saying. When was the last time you watched Alien? I mean, those are Alien? so radically different tonally. No, I watched I watched it right before. Yeah, exactly my point.
3: And I Check I still like it. Alien way better because we, I'm not saying like it's the, it's the same the movie. movie. I'm saying I, I understand that shift happens. I'm okay. saying it's overblown for how how often people make that comparison.
0: Okay. So, what about this hypothetical? Chris asks as well. Can you think of any sequels that don't fit the mold of either Terminator Two or Aliens? Let's assume that he's correct and it jumping genres like Alien to Aliens. Uh,
4: I was thinking, uh, for some reason. I this popped in my head, and I haven't even really played them. Let me get that up front while we're talking about our knowledge of games. But isn't Final Fantasy X 2 like a much sort of goofier, lighthearted take on Final Fantasy X?
0: Well, they're pop singers. Um, it's okay. not that there aren't like. So it's definitely movies. more serious. Yeah. But I mean, there's dumb stuff. I'm sorry. Lighthearted I guess, but stuff I guess that in that 10 falls in the well.
4: Aliens idea of genre hopping. Because my yeah. argument is like it, it gets so much lighter, like borderline comedy. But that would still fall in that theory. I right. think so.
0: What about this one, though? What about the spiritual successor? That doesn't fit into either of these. Like an eco to Shadow of the Colossus, if you want to call it that, right? Or kind of the, the soft thing. I don't think Chris Logan has
2: accounted for that. I mean, uh, that's technically not a sequel at that point. Prequel. It's confusing, yeah. Well, I, th- I think you could get by with that. I would say that one archetype that doesn't fit in is just the completely phoned-in sequel.
0: Oh, the son of the mask. Like,
2: like both of those, he's giving both examples for good sequels in right. the different directions. But I think you you need some kind of caveat for just the cash in the mm. cash in caveat. I mm. would say
0: very smart, very smart. Uh,
3: there's also, I think, I don't know where this fits in, but there's Amnesia and Amnesia Machine for Pigs. It's almost like a. I think Amnesia, a machine for pigs, is almost like a scaling down. Where oh. it, it's it's not even there aren't even like necessarily monsters that you're running from or even that many like uh, uh, intricate gameplay mechanics. It's more of um, more of like a you're interacting with a story and there isn't like a monster chasing you. You're sort of just making your way from area to area and there are you know things that where you have to like uh, kind of sneak by. But it it almost feels like they they toned it down for for. The I think that's really,
0: I think there is that category of sequel and i think of like predators there's kind of that like back to basics approach which is not the aliens approach that chris logan has not accounted for that's a good point for sure uh edgar vasquez writes in serial do you know this fella uh who edgar vasquez oh uh, i think uh yeah i'll look him i guess I, I can look him up i guess you guys uh we're in the same womb isn't that weird to think about I, you know i've never thought about it that way but yeah. you, what, what you
3: was think? that womb
2: like cereal yeah, tell us
0: about that womb there's i i don't know
2: uh okay edgar no. tell us about that womb edgar you want to write yeah. it next that
0: week tell us about that right. juicy womb anyways edgar vasquez writes in he says in your opinion no. what do you <laughs> tend to what do you tend to fight more as a final boss an angelic being with angel wings halo or a heavenly light or a or a demonic being with fire horns tentacles and demonic runes and edgar has an interesting take he says i think japanese games tend towards more the angelic and western games tend towards the demonic for final bosses i think there's something there yeah i think you know Hmm. there there's
3: always that stereotype about the end of every jrpg having you fight god right 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 but I I would say it's maybe more common for things to be demonic and I think uh Capcom is maybe the publisher that tips it Well actually now that I think about it they kind of do it both ways cuz like in Resident Evil you'll definitely fight like the the last final boss is like the you know the the saddler like super demonic creature thing but then there's also like Devil May Cry Yeah where at the end, and especially 4 where you're basically like the angels are the bad guys right so but I think overall I think um you might fight the demonic more often. But
0: I think I think you're probably right. I think that's a safer bet. I think that the angelic is more interesting even if it is kind of shoehorned in like, you know, like a Final Fantasy 9 was one it was like, "Ah, Kuja, uh, okay, what's going on here?" Um, but it's interesting uh, assessment uh beaten down Brian uh, is wondering in this era of high-quality reimaginings, is there still room for a good one-to-one remake of an old game? Yeah. yeah. I see he brings up that like Link's Awakening was kind of met with that's cool. Moving on, compared to reimaginings like even a Resident Evil Three uh, are so much more interesting and make a bigger splash. Resident Evil Two, I guess, is a better example here, right? Um, but what is Man, the I role of like
4: both? You know, yeah, yeah. Like I've been, you've been so excited about Seven Remake Hansen that it has put me in the mind space of like, what would I get that excited about? Right. And I was like, oh well, my favorite game, Ocarina of Time, which they have remade before and that yeah. was like just a straight ahead remake didn't tweak anything really and i was thinking it's like if they were to remake ocarina of time i don't think i would want the seven remake approach to it mm. where they drastically changed things and chopped it into pieces and stuff like that like yeah. i think i would want it to be still pretty straightforward so i think i think it depends on the the game really how ultimately. nostalgic you are
0: or just yeah. if it's a nintendo game that it needs to be one to one cuz you can't improve it i, I also I think mean, yeah. maybe i mean obviously you can still improve that stuff but i mean I would argue that Ocarina Times'
4: like core design probably ages a lot better than 7, you know, in terms of the play, the original PlayStation game, I think.
1: Yeah, And then I, I think mean, they it... have to factor in, too, of uh, just how much the audience would be upset if you change things versus not changing things, and that's really where you go with the remake or the reimagining.
0: Right.
3: I uh, I think that you still do have room for those. I think the Shadow of the Colossus remake from a couple, oh, yeah, great example. Year a couple yeah. of years uh, I think fits well, but I think it's that same thing where with Final Fantasy 7A it's like a, a thing that people have wanted for so long, and there is more to talk about when the game is different so I think for like Shadow of the Colossus rematch, which it, when it came out, everyone was like, this is amazing but it, it it slots in very neatly of like, okay, this is like the way to enjoy this game or, you know, some people will have like that, well, the original you know, the, the fog in the original Silent Hills was what they find it or whatever um, and so they'll have like a well now here it, it is part of the larger game's legacy whereas the one that diverges is like well let's talk about how those things are different right and yeah. it feels more like and, a modern game so you can talk about it as as its own game versus like well this is just part of this game's legacy
2: yeah and at at game informer whenever we you know did like the top 10 remaster list i mean if a game was just a straight up port we didn't talk about it that much and and we i mean we always we always held the kind of ones that went and did more stuff in a higher regard. And I yeah. think, you know, most gamers probably feel that way too. Yeah.
1: But there is actually a lot of um there was a lot of interest and I think there will be too about the new Bluepoint project being one of the launch titles of something or other of the PS5, um, yeah. And so one really know like there was a lot of discussion about that. So there's still a lot of of love and excitement around just a straight up remake or or re- a reimagining.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Seth Puddle has an optional request for everybody involved here, but if you want to, you can you can do this. Seth Puddle says, "Can the group give sexy winks at the camera?" So there's like the novelty sexy wink, but there's like the quick Harrison Ford, I think, genuinely sexy wink, right? Where it's just gonna like a like one of those. It's like a, a quick that, was, hip that looked
2: more like a twitch.
0: Was, oh, okay. you nailed it. Okay, so it's gotta go something like this. <laughs> Was that sexy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. It's not getting there. Okay, great. Well, uh, I don't think if you decide. have to
1: ask, was that sexy? I don't know if you hit the mark. <laughs> normally I ask. Confidence,
0: what... man. Confidence. Was, yeah, sexy. Normally was that, that sexy? Yeah. Was that sexy? Yeah, yeah, sexy yet? Do you like Popeye? Yeah. uh All right, Jeff. Um, let's see your sexy wink. I already did it. We'll do it better. <laughs> uh... <laughs> It's the look at the end that really... Yeah, uh,
1: really made it. it yeah, joke. I mean, you
4: know what it was? He didn't ask, was that sexy? So I think... That's right. You I just
2: had the confidence. I, my
0: God. Does anybody else dangerous. want to try and bring sexy back with a wink?
2: We all oh, did. We, I think Joe we did it when you asked it. us to.
0: Well, <laughs> hey, there, there we go. Uh, Glam rock Scientist says, not so much a question as a comment. Last week, you discussed something to the effect of how long it would take for Jeff's mom to beat the final boss in Sekiro. Uh... I have since captured Jeffem's mom and she's being imprisoned. No, uh, she, she says, <laughs> I am an avid gamer and I've played and beaten all the Soulsborne games to date and was very excited to get my hands on Sekiro. That said, I am also in my mid-40s and found myself unable to get past Lady Butterfly. During my first two runs, I would consistently make it to her final form with my performance falling off dramatically at the third run. and would completely whiff it on stage one by my fifth or sixth. Two months and countless YouTube tutorials later, I concluded that my reflexes were just too slow to parry and I can never beat Sekiro. Uh, therefore, I don't think it's possible uh, to f- have Jeff mom beat this game. And he says, I guess this is my way of saying that you can let Mrs. M out of the hotel room. In the immortal words of Marcellus Wallace, there ain't not old-timers day at the eSports home. <laughs> there ain't no old-timers day? I think <laughs> is what he I means. Uh, what was the name of that... Uh... Marcellus Wallace. No,
4: uh, gl- oh, Glamrock Scientist. Glamrock Scientist. It was uh, Madam Butterfly, right? Is that her name? Yes. Uh, she's optional. So <laughs> oh, no! uh, come back to her. Because right. uh, I got stuck there for a long time, too. I hit my head against that brick wall forever. And then uh, Dan Tack reminded me that she's optional. Uh, so I came back to her much stronger and finally took her out.
0: Okay, but does that help Glamrock for the emboss?
4: Yeah, they'll be they they won't be so frustrated. They won't they'll
2: they'll, okay. they'll level up. So, it seems like the, too- he was right. He was he was correct in in reaffirming my position in this yes. whole argument, which is that at some point there is a a skill ceiling and just the physicality of playing one of those games that's just going to be impossible for some people. I, you're well, never Jeff get over might
1: that. have Jeff's mom might have uh, an advantage because some of uh, going into Sekiro being a big Souls Blood fan is that it's so familiar that you want to play it the way that you would a Souls Blood game. Yeah. But it's not that way. So Jeff's mom does not have to relearn those skills. So maybe she She would, won't be like why am I
2: so much. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: was never one for She
2: she would have to learn how to hold a dual analog controller though, which is a bigger yeah. hurdle.
1: I did try yeah, to probably. teach my dad to play Dark Souls at one point and that was the big thing. I'm like, you're not looking, you're not looking. Mm-hmm. He's oh. like, I'm trying to get my shield and my camera.
0: I,
3: I, so. I think it's possible. I really do think it's possible. I th- I think it's difficult, but there is a story right, we're kidnapping
2: Seriel's mom now. <laughs> okay all right well i think uh, now- but th-
3: there was a story about that 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 streamer that was like i think in her 60s or 70s and she just picked up dark souls out of nowhere and was able to beat it mm. so I, I definitely think that it's it's possible but you know why that- would you want to torture an old lady by forcing them <laughs> to beat the last of Sekiro all of a sudden I don't know.
0: and that streamer was Kate blanchett that's right. Mm-hmm. That's how she got that role. That's right. It all comes together. Uh, well, the good way to test this is whenever we can see each other again, somebody just give me an endgame save from Sekiro, and we can stream it, and we can see how far I can get, having played none of that game.
3: I might I might
4: actually have I, one of those. I think I have one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because it prompts you off right at the end, boss, I think.
0: Now, it works. just to be clear, do I have to role play as Jeff's mom yeah, during this game? Yeah, you have screen?
1: to be dressed <laughs> to impress. <laughs> it's
0: just like full Psycho. That
4: would
0: be so funny. God.
4: There might be be a way for you to get a save without us even having to get together.
0: Oh really? Okay. Maybe. all right we'll figure it out. Um Hey, I think it's time for Oh, I'm sorry. It is not time for that. Uh what do you guys like for question of the week?
3: Uh I like the online one. Sorry, what Sariel?
1: I like the magazine one.
3: Magazine one I like also the the online one about quarantine Oh,
0: interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um I I think the Aliens versus Terminator thing, I think the one-to-one remake I think is an interesting idea. Uh I'm leading magazines too. I'll I'll go magazine. I'll cast my vote there. Jeff up? Sure. All right, awesome. Congratulations Dante uh, Biasati. Uh, I am 8 bit. Yeah, I am 8 bit will <laughs> ship you out a copy of Inside on PS4. That's super cool. And again, check out I 8 bit.com and their store and use the promo code minmax to, to help support them and by proxy, support us because they're our biggest supporters and they're doing a fantastic job over there. um But now it is, in fact, time for get a load of this. Jeff mm-hmm. Marquifava, do you want to kick this sucker off?
2: Yeah. Hey, get a load of this! All right, uh, you're just gonna have to put the link in, and people are gonna look at it later. But the, there was um, a writer named Emily Hagens who had she posted a video that she took off screen of a television show that just said, "I found the best movie extra of 1941," and it was a person that was pretending to to kind of dig, and it but you know the shovel was like two feet off the ground. It it was just terrible, but it it. <laughs> created this cascading tweet list of all these different videos of hilarious extras <laughs> who are just very bad at their jobs and you've never noticed it. Oh, that's uh, awesome. it was very funny.
0: I love it. So uh, Kyle Billiard.
4: Yes. Do you have one? Hey, uh, get a load of this. Um, I'm a little underprepared because I uh, wasn't sure if I was going to be on questions this week. But one thing that I have been enjoying just in general is tracking celebrities who I didn't think played or cared about video games who uh, are tweeting about Animal Crossing. Yeah. And like um, like Lauren Lapkus and Paul F. Tompkins, two comedians that I adore, are tweeting a lot about Animal Crossing. Lauren Lapkus and was then, on
0: Seth Meyers' uh, show and they have a whole YouTube pullout where it's just her talking about Animal Crossing.
4: Oh, I need to go check that out. That's yeah. awesome. And then um, the other one that stood out to me is uh, Danny Trejo <laughs> is tweeting a lot about Animal yes. Crossing.
0: It's uh, so Which absurd. is like, oh,
4: okay. Danny Trejo playing Animal Crossing. All right. <laughs> uh, so I've been enjoying that. Just like seeing all these people I never would have expected to, you know, care about video games or have video games, like playing Animal Crossing and really getting into it. So yeah. that's my get a load of this this week.
0: I love it. Uh, Jill, did you have one?
1: Yeah. Get a load of this. Um, uh, uppercuts rehomes for EGMs uh stories are going up on monday i don't know if you guys have talked about the story no what is this should i go into what yeah what is it so egm was known for working with freelancers being a really good place for freelancers uh and then sometime in the middle of last month they announced that they were sort of changing stuff up restructuring and anyone that they had commissioned first or accepted their pitch but had not published all of those stories are just gone no, you're not getting paid. You're not getting your story up on it doesn't matter if it was finished. It doesn't matter if you'd done everything and it was ready, push the button. Um so kind of after a long string of these freelance uh things sort of going away, Uppercut, uh, which is a kind of small gaming operation uh website, said, We're gonna try to rehome four of these stories. We wanna help, we wanna reach out um but it went and they were like okay so we've got this $400 uh goal that we hope to hit that maybe if you guys can help help us out then we can help pay these people mm. uh it went like wildfire around everywhere and instead of making $400 they made over 12,000
4: wow so they were nice. able
1: to rehome all of those uh freelancer uh pieces and those pieces are going to start going up on Monday that's so, awesome
0: that's super cool. What really
1: are... great uh, solidarity, everybody coming together story.
0: Yeah. Mr. Vasquez. Uh,
3: yeah, so get a load of this. Uh, wow. Building off of the conversation we were having earlier about like fighting games and internet, um, Mike Z was taken, who is one of the developers behind, uh, at Lab Zero behind Skullgirls and Indivisible, uh, posted this uh, explainer for why Wi-Fi sucks for gaming. Um, so there's this kind of uh, uh, a meme across the fighting game community that you shouldn't play anyone who, who connects through Wi-Fi. Uh, and it, for a while, I was like, well, the, the connection's worse or whatever. And he he breaks it down in a way that is really understandable about why you if you're playing any online game, basically, um, it's always better to have an Ethernet cable plugged in versus trying to do it over Wi-Fi. Um, and basically, it comes down to I- interference in that uh, a Wi-Fi connection is never... Um, because of the way Wi-Fi always works, no matter how fast your connection is, there's always some degree of interference because of the way Wi-Fi works. Um, and so even if you have a great connection, uh, you should always plug in through Ethernet if you're gonna play an online game. And so it's, this is sort of a PSA slash informative thing, but you should definitely check out the full video because it he explains it much better than I could, but okay. Um, it's a, it's a nice explainer that shows you like even if you have the absolute even if you have fiverr and you're using Wi-Fi, it's not the same as plugging in a cable directly.
0: That's interesting. That's nice. Uh, hey, everybody, get a load of this. Uh, popped up in my feed a story from CNN. Uh, Thor Bjornsson. Does anybody know who that is? Sounds familiar. Yeah. Ooh, uh, sounds the son familiar. of Bjorn. It is the son of Bjorn. Uh, no, it's uh, the Mountain from Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, yes. He set a new record by deadlifting a certain amount of weight. So that's where it's on the ground, and then you lift it up, and then go down. Does anybody want to guess that amount of weight that the mountain could deadlift? 420. 420 pounds, says like, Ariel.
1: It's like 800 five. pounds.
0: 800 pounds, says Jeffum. Sir Jill was leaning 500 something?
1: I'll leave 550 ish.
0: Okay. Kyle?
4: 421.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh, Half Thor here deadlifted 1,104 pounds. What? <laughs> oh. <laughs> And they have a video of it. Is he okay? No, he's quite dead. Uh, (laughs) His arms popped off. It fell on him.
3: (laughs) That's that's why he deadlifted it. Yeah, that's
0: right. No. But they have a video, and the thing that stressed me out more than his body or his butt shooting out his butthole, which I guess happens or something. I don't know exactly a lot about deadlifting. Is it the way the
2: barbell bends? Yes. I I, I think I saw that on that Scorn. Video <laughs> <by the way. laughs>
0: uh, but seeing the seeing the bar bend trying to support one thousand one hundred and four pounds, I just kept thinking about it snapping and it oh freaks me out. But uh, if you want to watch the mountain do something in more insane than uh the finale No uh, move on. Yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know. Just check that out. It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Get thing. Out of here. All right, anyways. Uh Jeff do you have a community to get a load of this from the wonderful yeah, community hey,
2: Discord? Hey, get a load of this. On behalf of the community, uh, Chuck Norisaurus Rex posted a YouTube video that uh, apparently computers are making their own music now. Oh. They have, you know, this, have you heard of this deep AI thing, Hanson? Uh, I don't know, I guess, conceptually, yeah. Apparently, they're analyzing uh, songs and then making their own songs based on that analysis. Okay. Uh, and so, he, he posted the video. Someone did it with the Rick Roll song, obviously. So, just like, just... hey,
0: t- take this info and make something new?
2: Yeah. And and so, the video that he posted specifically starts with the Never Gonna Give You Up song. And then it just seamlessly, been, trans- up, yep. Yep. And it seamlessly transitions into like the AI version of it that comes up with new lyrics. And it's, Oh my God, you can, God. you can almost not tell it. It, it just kind of sounds like a dip in sound quality, but otherwise it just seamlessly goes into it. So, so now they can actually make a, a Rick roll song that lasts forever, apparently. Thank God. Uh, but then the, if you go to the website, they have a bunch of different examples in their examples where they'll take 12 seconds of a song and give it to the computer and then they'll just give the rest of the lyrics, uh, assumedly in like just text version. And it will just it will try and fill in and make oh and, my God. like what it thinks the rest of the song will be. And so Hotel California is one, but it goes off in this very weird, rocky, <laughs> kind of like metal solo <laughs> like it's thrown into it and stuff. It's super cool and kind of scary that you know, yeah. in another decade, we won't need songwriters anymore.
0: I love that. But, and if you want examples, uh, all the links are in the description, uh, both yeah. on the podcast app and on YouTube for all this stuff. But uh, hey, thank you so much for joining us, Jill. Great
1: job. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Anything you want to plug?
1: Um, not specifically right now, but keep an eye on my Twitter at F-I-N-R-U-I-N. F-I-N-R-U-I-N um and hopefully i'll have some exciting stuff keep an eye i do have a tendency to contribute to uh destructoid and uh the indie game website so keep an eye on those two things as well sweet
0: and by the way where are you
1: uh somewhere in the united states i'm in the bay area if that's oh, what you mean really?
0: okay yeah i didn't know where you're based out of these days but that's cool that's I, a good uh, place yes. for freelancing in general uh well yeah. again thanks for being on and you're welcome back anytime you'd like
1: oh thank you i would love to be on
0: great uh and thank you to uh some of our biggest supporters that's captain Stubbs, one i'm eight bit Juar, hello rob hudak zachary Pluggy, beaten brian the smack mark seliga andrew vala merco rico torreno jesse vitelli Yaro, michael jacques adam walker ludwig roque andrew sanford matthew paxton james smith and david Lacalucci. thank you so much everybody be good have fun let's go